Hey, y'all, it's live time with, well, actually, I say Jonathan Emord first because he's up first. We're going to do Sacred Fire of Liberty live today on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Then we've got our good buddy, Dr. James Lyonsweiler, Dr. Jack, PhD with IPAC-EDU.org, doing amazing things at IPAC, including, and Jonathan will be happy to hear this, uh, aligning with Rob Verkirk and the Alliance for Natural Health, USA and UK and Europe. Great stuff as we look to uh, educate and inform and empower you with information that is not conflicted with interests that are, well, interested in enslaving you. That's not what happens here. The freedom to heal is yours. The power to heal is yours. I'm just here to remind you and me as well. And the freedom to heal even politically is yours. Who's going to help us do that today? Jonathan Emord. Get ready. Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show kicks into gear right about the Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, Sacred Fire of Liberty commences now. We've got a lot to talk with Jonathan Emord about. Of course, if you're new to the show or <clears throat> new to Jonathan Emord, you know there's a great guy to support who's running for the United States Senate in Virginia to displace and replace Tim Kaine. And uh, all the reasons why are right there at emord4va.com. Those are linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. And real quick heads up, hour two. Uh, there's the Jonathan E. Mord's uh, site, but our two James Lyonsweiler, Dr. Jack, PhD, set up IPAC-EDU.org, great educational institution that is not rife with conflicts of interest. You will learn the things you th- you should have learned in school, university included, uh, things that they didn't teach even in medical school, IPAC-EDU.org. Also aligning now with the Alliance for Natural Health, our friend, uh, man, Robert Rickirk is one of our favorites, and Jonathan knows him well. And Jonathan's back on the show. Where are you, Jonathan? Right there here, you. Robert, and there I'm really glad to hear Robert Verkirk's name. I love Robert Verkirk. Well, yes, he has done such extraordinary work, and really, when we talk about uh, you know integrity, there are, yeah. there are a few people that we we know have it, and and Rob is one of those. And the Alliance for Natural Health, you've worked with them for years as a VI, and um, they have promoted health freedom and real scientific integrity, the willingness to actually challenge consensus, as we've talked about, the danger of democracy is like mob rule. Uh, you know, I've talked about two oncologists and a homeopath voting on how to treat your cancer, right? That's democracy. Is that what we want? Don't you want a choice? And mob rule, majority rule is not what our founders intended for us either. And I think that we've kind of lost our way that, you know, a Republican form of government protects the ultimate minority, and that is the individual. Well, we're about a minute away from the government in the United States reimposing the mask and vaccine mandates and shutting down businesses again and uh, and insisting even more uh, stridently on the booster programs. I, I, I it's it's horrific. And they're going to use it in no small measure to lay a foundation for taking the elections in 2024, I'm afraid, because they're going to come back again with the idea of expanding mail-in ballots and all mm-hmm. this part of it. So uh, this is imminent, and someone like Dr. Robert Verkirk is going to be indispensable in helping stop this in Europe and also here. And uh, by the way, I just received a call yesterday from Sean Buckley, who's a brilliant barrister in Canada, 
And he's been organizing groups in Canada to oppose what is happening right now in Canada, which is this very reimposition of the lockdowns, mask mandates, and the vaccine mandates. And Canada is working in tandem with the United States. We're about to see that. They're taking various measures now, apparently even informing mm-hmm. uh, uh, corporations that there may be imminent actions taken by the federal government. So this is uh, a huge threat to our civil liberties, to your freedom. And once again, you know, they went down this path. They faced uh, legal obstacles which should have taught them from constitutional determinations against their abuse of power. Here, Biden appears to be poised yet again to do the same thing with a endemic phase of form of the virus that they're going to exaggerate and scare the living daylights out of millions uh, and lead many more people to do the things that didn't work before. The masks, the vaccines and and all the all the adverse effects of the vaccines are going to be coming upon us again. This period appears to be imminent. And so actions are now underway to uh, create unity among the various groups to fight this, to mm-hmm. get ready in advance, to communicate to people what's likely to come down and to get them prepared for a battle royale against the federal government. Jonathan, never underestimate the uh, forgetfulness of the people of planet Earth. And unfortunately, yes, that includes the American people. It's not been that long since we learned a harsh lesson that compliance is consent and that if you do cooperate with this once again you know you're going to get the government you deserve which is already so far removed from the you know the intention of our founders in establishing a limited form of government that was representative yes but not a pure democracy as well as the fact that you know if the majority of the people believe that um I, you know i'm a danger or you're a danger simply because we speak things that are not agreed upon by those at who cdc fda etc that the government now has the authority to shut us down censor us and and yet they've been beaten back in the courts on this issue and they're still going forward with this stuff i know so that's why uh dr Kirk's organization anh international and anh usa plus uh dr sheila fury in virginia the virginia medical freedom alliance and others uh, are, including hopefully a representative from uh, Children's Health Defense, are going to be uh, conversing with uh, with us, with me, and with others uh, this weekend to come up with a strategy that can be rapidly implemented to help uh, fight against this whole movement. In the end, this is why we need to change the government, Robert. We need to change the leadership. Uh, we, we have a, a, a person at the top who's really just a puppet. We have... Uh, an old puppet without a functioning brain. Did you hear what he said in, in Hawaii, Robert? Did you hear uh, what insult he he said when he went to Hawaii? So he went to Hawaii. He was there for about two to three hours only. He arrived there on Monday. Um, and uh, he said that he had experienced something comparable to the losses that the people who had the wildfires in, Cal- in Hawaii suffered. Uh, and, you know, they suffered horrific losses. We're talking about probably when all is said and done, over a thousand people, and many of them were children who may have been lost in all this due to the ridiculous incompetence and uh, left agenda that apparently they had. They wouldn't even allow water to be accessed by the fire department in time to to put down the the fire uh, early. So, I mean, it's a real disaster. All right, well, he goes in there, and this is what he talks about, Robert. He talks about what he said was, and no one even knows if this is true because he lies with such frequency. Mm-hmm. He said that he had a fire in his kitchen in one of his houses. 
And he said, oh, it was a threat to his car, his uh, Corvette, and even his cat, he said. And he said, so while it's not the same as you experienced, I think I know what you've experienced because I had a fire in my kitchen. Now, that is the mark of a complete idiot. Uh, he has no he has no sympathy, no empathy. He immediately flew out of there and went to his vacation, went, went to a vacation property owned by a rich donor and is staying there. He came out of vacation to go to Hawaii only after all the press criticism, stay there for two to three hours. I mean, this is a repulsive human being. President of the United States lacks the common sense to get up there and just allow people the privilege of seeing that the government of the United States will do everything in its power to give them assistance in this crisis, rather than just communicate that and shut up and let, you know, either yeah. leave or he has no real sympathy, so there's no sense in him staying. He, well, he said uh, 700 bucks to each of them and then sends, I don't right. know how many billions to uh, Ukraine, which is a, a, a rat hole. So you, if you or I were in that position, we would have been over there as the flames were going. We would have been over there to make sure that all federal efforts that were appropriate in, that, in Hawaii were being taken, that the United States military, to the extent that it could help, would be involved directly and that we would be there and ensuring that it was happening. And then to the extent that there was loss, we would be there. We would be helping people. You know, we would be doing whatever we could, right? Because our own country is being attacked by this wildfire in a way that is unprecedented in Maui's history. So the fact that he, he was on vacation, Robert, throughout the whole thing, he was on vacation. When asked initially if he had a comment, he said, no comment, no comment. Yeah. No comment. I mean, look, these people lost lives. They lost property. They are completely, many of them are homeless now. They have no uh, resources available to them. They're getting 700 bucks from the feds. The solution lies in rebuilding and in also a lot now. And what, it, what really could have been done effectively is if we marshaled the United States military assets in Hawaii, I imagine they would have both the fire suppression and the ability to assist in blocking the, the spread of the fire, you know, by digging ditches and all that yeah, Everything well, could have been done because it was an attack. And instead, I mean, they have a lot of, they have a lot of resources in uh, military resources in Hawaii. Certainly. And, and that, that it didn't happen. Commander in chief and the leadership of the military to yeah. agree, you know, to get it out there. And it would require a forceful, and, and capable president of the United States who would say, let's immediately get the, mil the militaries out there. Let's immediately get them to come to the aid of these people. Now, let's move yeah. and get the resources going. But <sighs> Joe was on vacation. No, oh, it's Joe another layer of the, uh, disastrous leadership. And, and I, to say leadership and, and Biden in the same sentence doesn't make sense because he has none. Uh, I, I don't believe, again, the faculties that he has are enough to uh, adequately do that job. I don't think many people would argue, even those that would want to support him. Uh, and then the question is, who is supporting him? Who wants him there? And, and why wouldn't they intervene? And, you know, it comes to questions of when we talk about corporate welfare as well, corporatism. Uh, oftentimes we see that the folks that have worked hard their whole life just to have a scrap of land and a home to live in are then just shoved off the land and then, you know, it's taken over. Now, I, I want to go back, Jonathan, to to the opening on the issue of 
uh, mask mandates coming back and, and maybe booster mandates. And it's like uh, Super Don has been very cynical about the attempts that they could ever succeed at this point. And, and I, you know, I'm with him. I think it's not that long ago that we should and, and would remember how ridiculous it was, yet it doesn't stop them from making the attempt. Are you saying you've got some, some sense of, you know, I know you're connected. You're not too far from DC. You're running for the United States Senate that you've got some insight and Intel that this is not just a trial balloon. They're really intent intending to, actually do the things that didn't work the first time again yeah it looks as though uh they are working in cdc fda and the white house to take a look at this current variant and describe it in terms of a emergency in other words to invite the executive branch to undertake the same kind of measures they did before now maybe they won't go as far maybe they won't but it's going to depend on the degree of public opposition to it. People have to now say before this thing gets going that no matter what, they are not going to accept the mask mandates. They are not going to accept the vaccine mandates. They're not going to have shutdowns of businesses. They're not going to allow it. And they have to be adamant in their insistence on that. That's why getting these public groups together like ANH and Citizens for uh, Children Self-Defense and uh, the other groups that are going to be on this call with us on uh, the weekend is critical because we need to get them sounding the alarm through their memberships and having them complain to their representatives and so forth so that it's clear that this is not going to fly, that politically this will not work, and that in addition, if they try it, we're not going to follow it. Because it, it, this is the people, we just went through an economic catastrophe that was unnecessary, shutting every business down for weeks on end, shutting down uh, uh, restaurants, some of them being you know, closed for over a year, right? Over two years. And that whole thing, if it happens again, Robert, in this fragile economy is going to ruin a lot of people's lives far yeah. worse than the first time because the resources aren't there anymore. You can't, you know, the economy is far worse than it was then. Yeah. Well, so, and, and another big concern relates to what you're engaged in running for a political office. If they succeed in this and say, hey, it's just too dangerous for people to gather together again and get in lines, do mail-in voting again, mail-in balloting. Uh, you, you know what that's about. They fear uh, a complete reversal of what happened in the last election because yeah. of the outright rejection of the, the failed policies. Right. They are ready for this in spades on the Democrat side. They've got all of these groups for ballot harvesting, and they're funded by Soros, many of them. They're groups that are designed to really take advantage and, frank, frankly, commit fraud. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have uh, mail-in ballots writ large like they did in during the pandemic again, it'll make it much easier for them to achieve that nefarious end mm -hmm. and thwart the elections. I'm not saying that I know it's going to happen. I'm saying it's a possibility that you cannot discount. Yes. And there already is an interest being expressed in uh, bringing back an expansion uh, of mail-in ballots, bringing back another election bill mm -hmm. that will be designed to largely liberate uh, people from the necessity of voting in ways that can be validated as to your, who you are. So that's, that's really a design that very transparently is aimed at destroying election integrity. And those people are, are anxious to see that come to pass. We just have to really fight because mm -hmm. this is a 
we're at the end stage of this game. Constitution hangs by a thread in this country. And if we don't act now in the next couple of years, I'm, I'm terribly afraid that we are going to see fundamental liberties in this country taken away, not just temporarily, but permanently. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it will be much harder to get them back when the government has taken them away. The courts are our bastion of, of hope in the present environment. They get it right good part of the time with this Supreme Court. Lower federal courts have frequently made mistakes. Uh, but um, that's really all we have until we flip the Senate. Right. Flip the Senate, then we're going to be able to champion things and get on the offense instead of constantly being on the defense, be able to secure people's rights in, in more uh, powerful ways uh, and ensure that they can't get just come back around in the next election cycle mm-hmm. and destroy our, our defenses. Let's, and that means reinvigorating the state's powers yeah. uh, by under Article 1, Section 10, the state self-defense clause, invoking that through federal legislation to allow the states to arrest and detain and eject uh, illegal uh, entrants into this country. And then also... Uh, to be able to ensure that our rights are protected with a more fulsome uh, advancement of the Equal Protection Clause, a reconstruction of the Department of Justice, a reconstruction of the food, of the FBI. Let's uh, roll back the 87,000 IRS agents that are really just designed to wage war on the middle class. Well, let's eliminate some of these federal uh, agencies that have no constitutional um, basis for existing even department we, of education department of yeah. energy department of commerce we need to get rid of the federal trade commission we ought to be uh, uh privatizing the function of drug reviews get rid of the food and drug administration and by and large bring and back freedom be, in healing in america you know yeah the consumer credit protection bureau which was created by executive order that needs to go that's an unconstitutional institution created by barack obama uh, and it, and it, 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 there's no basis for it. The other the other thing that we need to do is to really get rid of the Consumer Product Safety Commission because that function, to the extent there's any legitimacy there, can easily be performed by the Department of Justice. We need to change the paradigm from prior restraints, which deprive you of your liberty, exactly. into actually just going against those who do commit crime rather than all of us being restrained by regulation. We need to get rid of all those regulatory impediments to the production of oil and gas. We need to have SMRs in this country. You realize what a great uh, thing that is, Robert? Uh, that's uh, uh, mobile reactors that are small, nuclear reactors, very efficient, no carbon production at all, extremely environmentally safe. And uh, they're, they're, for example, they're made by Rolls-Royce. There's a version made by Rolls-Royce that has yet to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, use them on British nuclear submarines extremely effectively. These things would provide very cheap, very, very uh, reliable energy in uh, to to specific small geographical areas like towns, cities. and Sure, but that would mean more freedom, and that is not something that the uh, political left right now is invested in, much no. less those that have aligned themselves with globalist takeover of the United States. They right. want an enslavement. They, you know, as we've talked about the environmentalist movement as it exists today, it's not about the environment. No, it's, it's about not. Marxism and communism and a full on takeover of, the, you know, the de jure United States, which is, as you point out, by the Constitution, barely hanging on at this point. And yep. uh, there, I want to parse some legal terms for you, if you will. There's a, a poster going around. People make memes all the time. This one's interesting as we're talking about uh, no more mandates, right? The concept of mandatory 
the concept of the term required, ordered, requested, ordinance, decree, recommend, compulsory. You know, when is it a law that, you know, you have to abide by, you know, versus these are terms of art and regulatory terms that don't necessarily apply to people who are free. Uh, you know, the compliance issue versus I am not going to comply. And yeah, there might be consequences for not complying and inconvenience, but ultimately we're finding out even the people that were persecuted and fined during these things that happened, they, they didn't hold force of law. Now they're being, you know, given their money back and told, sorry. So going forward, I mean, what do we need to learn about since it's so recent in history about not complying? Well, there's a difference between law and power. So I can be a person elected to an office like president of the United States, and I can have a certain authority under my belt, and I can exceed that authority because I have power under that area of authority that I can abuse. And that's not legal. That's not a law. And that's how Biden ordinarily operates. Joe Biden today, for example, is operating on an agenda that he has not submitted to the Congress of the United States that is in fact a legislative agenda. So when, for example, Joe Biden cancels student loan debt, he, that would be required under the Constitution to be passed into law by Congress. Never was. He just declared through his administrative agency, the Department of Education, that that would be eliminated. Well, you know what? That's not a law. That's not constitutional. It's, it's not even a regulation that has the legal force or effect of the law because it contradicts the existing laws that prohibit the use of loan forgiveness except in specific case-by-case -case instances that meet specific statutory criteria. So instead of that, he wants to blanket forgive all these loans. And what is he doing? He's taking monies that have been given by the government to people as loans and extinguishing them without any act of Congress to the tune of trillions over time of dollars. So what does that mean? That means that he is stealing effectively from the taxpayer because those are tax dollars, your money, that the government stupidly, I think, made generally available for education loans. But nonetheless, they did that. They were available. And the real issue is, can the president unilaterally act against an act of Congress? No. Does he have power? Yes. So when he orders the agency to do that, the department to do that, it can do it. And it can tell you that your loans are forgiven even if it's unlegal, be, uh, illegal because he has power. He's exercising power. It's not legal power, but it is power he has in his office. Likewise, when he says that uh, people in 100, 100 or more people in a business uh, would, if you have a business of 100 people or more, that you could be required, would be required to be vaccinated or tested weekly uh, in order to comply with his, what, edict. Mm. This is like a dictator. There was no congressional statute. That was an order. He had the power to compel agencies to do that and to insist on it, but it was held unconstitutional. But notice in the first instance, he exercised a power, but it was an abuse of power. That's the problem that the, as Jefferson said in the Alien Sedition Act crisis, we have to bind men down by the chains of the Constitution. Why is that necessary? 
why do you have to constantly struggle even in the presence? Look, Adams acted against the First Amendment of the Constitution. It wasn't legal, but he has power. And so he was able to uh, implement an unconstitutional act, the Alien Sedition Act. So Congress can act unconstitutionally, exercising power unlawfully. The president can. And the court can avoid compliance with the Constitution if it's possessed of people who are not interested in it. They can do Mm -hmm. that. But is it ultimately legal? No, because we are a government of laws, not of men. We are a government of uh, the Constitution, not a government of free will in power. Right. And and so the government is to be bound down by the chains of the Constitution. So what is the last stop gap? It's the people standing up in defense of that Constitution and their personal freedoms, their individual liberty. That comes from, again, God, not government. And uh, I imagine, you know, if I look back the few years we've been through, the hardships, the most difficult times, the most brutal times uh, that occur are there to toughen us, to, to bring us back, I believe, to principle. You know, we stray from principle and these disasters occur. We come back to principle and we hold them in check, knowing that, as our founders did, that if we ever stray from them again, we are going to be dealing and facing with what we're facing right now, a a nation, a constitution hanging by a thread. And so we have to, uh, I guess at this point in time, for those of you who already stood up against these mask mandates and jabs and didn't get all of these things, kudos to you, but it's not enough. If they're trying again, obviously they feel like they can get away with it. Don't let them on the localist of local levels. Do not participate and engage in businesses that prohibit you from breathing freely as you enter them. Find someone else. because America was born of an idea, liberty. That idea then led to a constitution, which was designed for the purpose of protecting liberty. And it depended upon virtuous people to ensure that the, the idea of liberty, protected by a government designed to do so, would be maintained in perpetuity. And they knew from the very start that this would be an arduous task that every generation would have to fight for freedom because there would always be those who would try to use and abuse power to take away the people's liberties to enhance their own lives, their own financial welfare, and their own power. They knew that, and they were worried about it, and they provided a a bill of rights as an additional safeguard against it. But you know what? And they have have a dual federalist system as yet another safeguard against it. States to be necessarily antagonistic to federal power when it would overreach. Well, you know what? We are seeing now that those in power are evil, corrupt, and intent on taking away our liberty to enhance their own power, wealth, and control over us. It is a process of enslavement they've started. It's a process to make every individual a servant of the state when the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence very plainly require government to be our servant, make us the master and the sovereign in this, and the state to serve our interests, not the other way around. And we've got it backwards in the Biden administration. Just as Joe Biden can poo-poo the lives and interests and health of everybody in Hawaii and in Maui, because he just doesn't care in the, to be truthful about it, 
but what he does care about is Hunter Biden and the corruption that has gone on that not it not be fully exposed and that he be able to retain all of the wealth that he has pocketed as a result of influence peddling and all of the, the material benefits for himself and his family at our expense. This is not a president of the United States as we know it. This is a president of the United States who is there to abuse power and betray us, and he has in spades. And it's time for it to be coming to an end. He needs to be impeached, and he needs to be removed from office on the very last day, in the very last minute, so that we don't have Kamala Harris in yeah. the presidency. But good strategy there. Recognize <laughs> that if he is removed after being impeached, he's removed by the Senate in the very last day, the very last hour, in the very last minute. He may then be prosecuted as a civilian, as a retiree from the government, and the Constitution will not afford him protection against that prosecution for the crimes that he has committed because he would have been removed and be available for prosecution. So it's something that definitely needs to be done. And I would like to see that special prosecutor appointed for him. Of course, you'll never see that from uh, the attorney general who's merely protecting Biden at every move and his son. But we, what we do need to see is the Congress of the United States to proceed with impeachment proceedings against Biden. There's enough information now. Yeah. We don't need more. All you need, he has violated the Foreign Emoluments Clause. In addition to committing bribery, he has violated the Foreign Emoluments Clause of the Constitution. And that is amply sufficient to impeach him. That would constitute a high crime and misdemeanor. It is expressly forbidden of the president and the vice president to receive any money from a foreign country, including a, even an ally, absolutely prohibited under the Constitution. He received money from enemies of the United States, not in some small figure, but in millions of dollars, not in, into a bank account owned only by his son. It was owned jointly by him and his son, and mm -hmm. the money proceeded from there and helped pay his own mortgages. And we know more. As, as the moments pass, as, as James Comer's committee hearings proceed, we are finding out more and more and more. We know now that he operated under aliases and that he was communicating with his son about matters germane to the business of, of influence peddling. And, and, you know, the lie now writ large is that he uh, told us he had no involvement in his son's business dealings. That was absolutely a lie. And it's not just one of these ridiculous lies that he tells every day. It's a material lie and it is an impeachable lie because he is using it as part of an effort to defraud the American people and to pocket that money himself. And that is absolutely something for which we must prosecute him. He must be made to account because we can't let any future person in a high office think that they can get away with selling out the United States for personal gain. They must be prosecuted. Biden must be prosecuted. Jonathan, if we uh, uh, look to shake out the Republican side and the candidates that are running, uh, along with uh, uh, the Democrat, I mean, the only uh, candidate that I uh, can say I like a lot, Bobby Kennedy, because he has integrity and he's not like another Democrat. The Democrats are not going to let him be the nominee. That's clear. 
He's got to figure out strategically what to do there because there are a lot of people that like him that are also Republicans because they don't see a lot of integrity among the Republican field. And there may be some, uh, you know, uh, Trump didn't participate in the debate last night. Uh, those that did, it'll shake out. I think one of the first to shake out causing a big splash would be uh, uh, the n- former New Jersey uh, Governor Chris Christie. Super Don has a, an interesting clip of uh, uh, um, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, interesting young candidate. I don't know where he came from all of a sudden, but I, I, you know, I like the guy and what he says. Super D, you said of all the highlights, this was the best one. So I figure we got. I didn't need that. to see anything else after this because I hate Chris Christie. I can't <laughs> stand that guy. Yeah. So let me just set this up real quick. What happened was it went to Chris Christie first, mm-hmm. and he started going into a tirade about you know whether these uh, these these criminal charges are right or wrong or against Trump, whatever yeah, against Trump. Yes, of mm-hmm. course, because that's all Chris Christie talks about, right? He has, no, he has no plan. All he d- wants to do is go after Trump, right? So anyway, he says, you know, that his conduct, we shouldn't normalize his conduct, that he's, his conduct is beneath the office of the president of the United States. And people started to boo him. And then this happened. This is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you raise your hand supporting... I'd like to get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. (laughs) He wore it. (laughs) That was exactly, he nailed him. Exactly. That's all Chris Christie stands for. Uh, That's it. And, and that was a perfect uh, retort and very well put. I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, yeah, Donald Trump, let's be very clear. As a constitutional lawyer, I can see through this. This is not difficult to see through. I think as a first year law student, you might be able to very well see through this. There is no factual foundation uh, sufficient for any reasonable prosecutor to bring any one of the 91 charges they brought against Donald Trump in all of these cases. And uh, they, they, almost all the cases hinge upon an assumption that he harbored a, a knowledge and acted on a knowledge that the campaign, that the election was proper and that instead he fraudulently interpreted it to be false and misused people. Well, the fact of the matter is he never agreed that the, that the election was, was fair. He always repeatedly into everyone said that he thought it was unfair and he had specific evidence that supported that conclusion. It wasn't just a, uh, a conclusion reached with the absence of evidence. And he's entitled as president of the United States and as a citizen running for elective office mm-hmm. to challenge an election. This same challenge of an election has been done numerous times by Democrats in the past. They weren't prosecuted because they interfered with an election by some sort of alleged racketeering effort to challenge the election? No, they were were accepted as having a right to call into question an election result and test it. And he did nothing more than contact officials and ask them uh, to take action on what he believed to be um, fraud. Now, that's not illegal. You have a right to complain. In fact, in the First Amendment, you have a right to seek redress of your grievances under the First Amendment. That is a constitutional right he had. He was exercising that right. 
There's nothing criminal about it. And if you turn it into a crime, you really do a number on freedom in America because that means that candidates will have to accept whatever the official outcome is in an election, even if the election itself is rife with fraud. So that can't be. You have to enable candidates to sue. And they do it all the time in state after state. And so it's not like in for the first time in the history of the world in, in uh, Georgia, someone challenged an election in Georgia. It's been done numerous times. Did they ever prosecute someone for racketeering for that? No. At the whole uh, uh, prosecution of Donald Trump is based on a false political bias. No factual predicate. Uh, a series of themselves uh, um, abuses of power, of prosecutorial power. And that's how the American people, I think, by and large view it. Uh, and I think that we have to understand that we need to stop it. Because if, if Donald Trump is actually uh, uh, convicted and, and incarcerated, it would be one of the grossest abuses of power, further evidence of this two-tiered system of justice. And it would be the, uh, the conclusion of an effort at a coup d'etat when he was president at interfering by the Democrats with his election in the first instance in 2016, and then punishing someone uh, and trying to prevent them from ever running again under a false interpretation of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So all of that is the real crime here. You want to talk about a real abuse of power, a real crime? Look at the four cases that are being brought against Donald Trump. That is an abuse of power. Mm -hmm. And this, again, should be no matter what you feel or like or dislike about Trump as president. It's about establishing basic rules within our own governance constitution that apply equally to all equal protection. If we say that it's not happening here, as we see again, you've you've compared it very well with what Biden has has done in the evidence put forth and nothing being done in terms of prosecution and what apparently Trump believed and had a right to believe, <laughs> not even under our constitution, but just as a human being, good Lord, you believe that some, there was something wrong with the election. A lot of people believe it. We go yes, after it, everything. It really is an inherent right mm -hmm. of anyone in any legal process under the First Amendment to complain, to express a grievance. And here, even if Donald Trump was entirely mistaken, even if he was, and I don't think he was, but even if he was entirely mistaken, he would still have the right to complain based on a reasonable suspicion that something was awry. It wouldn't even not have to be a reasonable suspicion. He has a right to complain. Yeah. Your First Amendment right to petition the government for redress of a grievance. Did they say in the First Amendment something I'm missing? Did they say that you had to have government predetermine whether the grievance was an, a legitimate grievance before you could complain about a grievance? No. Mm -hmm. Defeat the yeah. whole purpose of a right. It's your right to complain under the First Amendment. You have a right to complain. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, you just go ahead and look at it. First Amendment of the Constitution, take a look at it. It's right there in plain English. What is it about these prosecutors they don't understand? I mean, when it says, uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Mm -hmm. That is your right. Donald Trump's doing nothing more than exercising his right. 
which they are attempting to criminalize because they don't want him to run again. As I say, this is not about whether you love, like, or hate Trump. And I I hope that, you know, Chris Christie's got Trump derangement syndrome, if you will. Uh, But it's just, this isn't about that. Step back and see what it really is. You know what I hope happens? I hope his legal team uh, removes the case that is in Georgia to federal court. And they can Mm -hmm. do that. They can do that because the entire thing is imbued with questions related to the exercise of executive power and whether he abused his power in office. They should remand it to federal court. Yes, absolutely should get it out of this ridiculous state court and get it into the a federal court, because at least there he can appeal to the Supreme Court and he can have an ultimate uh, justice hopefully visited upon this whole thing. This is something that I think will smack any justice of the Supreme Court, possibly even the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are on the court as so uh, such an abuse of power in the absence of facts sufficient to support the charge, yeah. notably the absence of any evidence of intent on the <laughs> yeah. part of Donald Trump to uh, commit an act of fraud. Um, there's no uh, there's no foundation for this, really. And, and mm-hmm. as Comey said, in opposite circumstances, when there fully was uh, ample evidence to prosecute Hillary Clinton for violation of the Espionage Act, he there said, that no reasonable prosecutor would bring the case. Well, actually, many reasonable prosecutors would have brought that case. But in this case, it is very clear. No non-politically charged David Weiss or anybody else would bring a, or Jack Smith, Mm. would dare bring an action against this president unless they were driven to do it by politics rather than a, a objective assessment of the evidence. And most notably, the utter absence of proof of an intent by Donald Trump to commit any criminal act is dispositive. And so how they possibly, this is abuse of power. Look what they're trying to do. They're going to rack up over $100 million in legal fees for Donald Trump because they hope at a minimum that that's going to sap resources out of his ability to run for office. And so it's just a absolutely repulsive campaign, vindictive campaign against one man to try to crush him so that he can't uh, uh, have an opportunity to take on the Democrat Party. They think that they need to be in, in office for life. They don't think that they have a right to be challenged. They believe that they can establish a dictatorship in this country with a one-party rule. And um, we have got to stand up for Donald Trump. I mean, the fact of the matter is, if his rights can be taken away with this kind of political abuse of power, and that becomes precedent, mm-hmm. No one's rights are safe. No one's safe. Uh, I'm not here making an endorsement for president as of yet. You know, we'll do that. I've already endorsed you for the United States Senate, of course, and many have, including Ron Paul uh, in Virginia, you know, for your run in Virginia and what that would mean, not only for Virginia, the people in the state, but for all the Commonwealth, all of us around the country, as we, we could flip a Senate back toward the Constitution. Uh, I look at the presidential candidate field right now. Ron DeSantis doesn't seem to be doing as well as you'd think he would be doing based on the track record. He's done some really interesting and good things in Florida specific to pushing back on the pandemic, uh, uh, you know, the lies and deceptions associated with lockdowns, shutdowns, masking and mandatory injections, even though he has, you know, been early on in favor of some of these things. The thing is, uh, you give an opportunity for people to grow and learn and change. Uh, But, uh, you know, I just want to see more candidates that stand up for individual liberty, freedom, and say, you know, even in the worst of the pandemics, you don't have the authority in the federal government 
to stop people from engaging in commerce, to mandate that they engage in, you know, medical practices for which they have opposition, whether it be philosophical, religious, or personal, or or even medical, that you disagree. As we said so many times, the WHO has gotten it wrong time and time again, as is the CDC and Fauci and FDA, et cetera, and we're still subject to banning and deplatforming and threats even on Facebook now, uh, you know, again, coming after us going, hey, uh, you be careful with what you say, and they want you to self-censor because the threat is you will lose the ability to communicate. And that's already been shown to be a collusion with government. Now the government's been called to carpet. There are uh, active uh, cases on it, but they're still engaging in behavior as if the government's still having them do that. It's like, good Lord, where does government end and these corporations begin and vice versa? Yes, you have a collusion between the state and big tech, and that violates the First Amendment very plainly when the, when big tech works as an agent for the government. And they're persisting in that, despite all of the publicity that has made it apparent to the American people that it's happening. And despite all of the instances of the censorship of platforms like this one, uh, it has just gone on. And the reason is they know they have the power to do it. Again, difference between what is power and what is law. They have the power to do these things, to censor and to remove on behalf of the government, but it is unconstitutional for them to do it when it is in the service of this administration and its mm-hmm. political agenda. And this is coming home to roost over time. It may result in very significant changes in the nature of the government's relationship with big tech because people like me are going to get in there. And Rand Paul, for example, even though Bernie Sanders killed the bill, would have been introducing, would have, would have had a bill if it passed, Rand Paul's bill, uh, which would have made it a federal felony for individuals inside the government to collude with uh, the media and big tech to censor an individual, deplatform them, or otherwise encumber their ability to communicate through means of uh, mass communication. And so um, it is a, you know, this is we're going to have to get there uh, in order to stop this, because, as you point out, it really just is continuing. They are continuing to censor those whose views they think are contrary to their political agenda, which aligns with the government, which the government itself is not saying, hey, you can't you can't do that. The government is saying, go do it. And when it comes to, uh, for example, now they're 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 preparing in advance of this new imposition of federal power. Uh, they're preparing to to deplatform and disallow criticism of the World Health Organization's uh, 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 emergency d- determinations and positions mm-hmm. yeah. on issues. So, I mean, it's already happening. They're getting ready for this new imposition of power sure. that's an abuse of power and violation of your rights. Well, and I, I'd like to see, and I, I understand um Trump's not wanting to engage in the debate in the early phases, but I think as these things winnow down, he should engage. And I think he needs to be made to answer for some of the things that were not correct that he did. You know, the, the lockdowns, the eventually believing Fauci, you know, and, and, well, one, and of the things, one of the things that's important here, he did say in his interview with Tucker Carlson, he did say that, uh, you know, at present, he's not predisposed to entering the debate because there's so many people in there with small percentage of support. And he said, you know, he plainly indicated that by his statements that he would be entering into a debate, but he just said he didn't want to stand up there and have to answer to, you know, 
uh, 10 different, eight different people. Well, I, I get that. I think it, eventually, though, he needs to be able to talk about these things or be challenged on them where, you know, we perceive he did goof, if you will. That's an understatement on some critical, critical things. Uh, and that's fair game in terms of determining, you know, who you want to be your next president. I, I, as I said many times before, Jonathan, I wish we didn't care so much about who was president because the, the Constitution was fully in force. And so you had a weak, you know, a, a real balance of power and that yeah. it wasn't that you had this executive branch able to do these things that are committing, you know, billions and trillions of dollars, for instance, and in the, you know, the disaster that is Ukraine and not able to help anything at home like you know we talked just the hawaii is one small example how insulting it is to hawaiians here's 700 bucks and you know and and biden is saying hey can we have a few more billion 25 85 75 more billion to send to ukraine and right uh, insane. yeah you got him him lavishing all of this money and resources on the ukraine and doing nothing that makes sense like liquefied natural gas from the united states to europe to replace russia so you cut off the money that russia has to prosecute the war in the ukraine mm -hmm. instead um he's just dumping money willy-nilly into the ukraine and when it comes to this natural disaster or when it comes to our own borders mm -hmm. not ukraine's borders but our own borders exactly found he has misplaced priorities and he also has a real prob cognitive problem comprehending even the simplest of uh, uh, realities. And then when it comes to uh, the the uh, fantasy land he lives in, he fabricates lies with such rapidity and, uh, and even in the face of being proven that he's a liar, he continues the same lies. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, he's just a, uh, a really a, a, a person who has no shame and he has no conscience and he has no accountability. Mm -hmm. so, hey, you know, we it's, we're, we got a few more minutes left with you, Jonathan. I wanted to ask how the Williamsburg meet and greet happened. It was yesterday, I think, right? That was fantastic, Robert. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. About 25, 30 people uh, were there, even though there was also a Republican GOP meeting the same night. So a lot of them who were at that meeting wanted to come, but they were active in the uh, business it was taking place at that meeting. Some of them came by after the event took place. And I was still there. So they came by and they came out of the other meeting. But there were there were about 25 or 30 people. They were fantastic. They donated to our campaign. Thank you so much. A whole bunch of them made donations. And then all of them were so supportive mm -hmm. and very interesting questions that they asked, very much engaged. So super. And this is the way it's rolling here, Robert. We have a very effective grassroots campaign across the state. And as you know, I mean, we're getting more and more and more people who are rallying to this standard. And it's 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 a real comfort to know mm -hmm. that there are there are so many people who believe in the Constitution who want to stand up and fight to keep this country from devolving into a socialist dictatorship who really understand that government regulation is not the answer. It's the problem. And to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, and it, and it really is. Uh, uh, the case that even in the so-called purple state of Virginia, there are now very large numbers of people migrating out of the Democrat Party and coming to the Republican Party, and in, in particular people like me. Uh, and it is it is such a welcoming event. People want people who are honest, who have integrity, and who will stand up for what they say and will fight to achieve it when they get in there. They're really asking for basic honesty. They're asking for decency. 
They're asking for their rights to be protected. It's not that they're not asking for the world. They're asking for their rights to be protected, their kids to be protected in school and safe in school. And they're asking for uh, an opportunity to see their country turn around and have a better future for themselves and their families. It's not the world they're asking for, and it's reasonable what they're asking for, and all of it can come to pass, and we can make that happen. Governor Youngkin has 57% popularity in Virginia. He, there has been a number of Democrats who have now shifted to become voters in support of Governor Youngkin and his agenda. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that percentage, 57%. And that's uh, what we see on the ground. We see large numbers of people who free, previously had identified themselves as Democrats now telling us, you know, for this election and for this mm -hmm. time period, I have to vote Republican because you're the only people who are going to stand up for my kids to stop the transitioning in the schools, to stop the CRT indoctrination, to stop the biological males entering girls' sports and girls' exactly. locker rooms. Yeah. I mean, it's just they've gone off the deep end, Robert, so badly that they're threatening the health and life and safety mm -hmm. of even Jonathan. Yeah, I want to encourage folks uh, on, on Saturday, August 26th, we're going to do the Zoom AMA for everybody that's a, a patron supporter of the show, and I know many of you support Jonathan as well. He's also going to be doing some door knocking with Matt Lang for Senate uh, on the 26th, the same Saturday in Herndon, Virginia, and that's on the website, amord4va.com. You can see that uh, if you'd like to be take part. I know we have folks in Virginia that are fans of the show and fans of Jonathan, so I want to remind you about that. There was something else, a summer cookout looking like this. Is this happening? Uh, when is this yeah. going to be? August 26th as well. It's Saturday. Yeah, same day. So earlier in the day, I'll be out there with Matt. And then later in the day, I'll be at this uh, Young Republicans cookout in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, and you yeah. know what? We're what? coming up uh, soon in September. I'll be doing a Turning Point USA uh, presentation in San Diego to a large number of uh, youngsters who are in college there. And they're setting up uh, a whole slew of Turning Point events for me along the East Coast, maybe as many as eight. Nice. Uh, where I will be going to universities from Harvard and University of Connecticut on down uh, and into Virginia, maybe even to Liberty University in Virginia, I hope, uh, with the opportunity to both speak and debate. I'm inviting people to who disagree with me uh, on the campus to come in and we'll give you a microphone in two minutes. You speak your piece, and then I'll tear you to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> intellectually, of course. Uh, yeah, Super Don, we also are planning a, an online uh, kind of a, a, a telethon marathon coming up. Uh, 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 do you have that date we, we talked about in the calendar, yeah. Super D? Uh, do you have it? When is it? September 18th. So, yeah, that's coming up uh, less than a month away. We're going to be turning over our Monday broadcast and our simulcast on Brideon.tv and doing like a telethon. We're going to have a lot of special guests that support Jonathan E. Mort on it. Maybe you all want to support as well. Uh, that's going to be great. Mike Adams is going to participate, the health ranger, a good buddy. And, uh, of course, he's come out and endorsed you as well and supports your efforts to become the next uh, sen senator from the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, so pay attention to that. We'll have some other events we'll be announcing as well surrounding that. Uh, you may be in studio here with me at that point, too. I will. I'll yeah. be there with you, Robert. I can't so, wait. Yeah, so we've got some really cool things that are up and coming, so stay. Yeah. By the way, mm -hmm. during that same trip, I'll be going out to the border, and I will be watching the, a point at which most fentanyl is coming into the United States illegally, and I will be having some filming done out there but I'm also just going to go out there and get a sense from people who are going to give me a thorough tour mm -hmm. of just how, how dire 
the situation is pouring into California. California is an utter disaster, Robert. Total disaster. Talk about no law and order. It is becoming a dystopian nightmare of the, of the most outrageous fashion. Yeah. And it's so sad to see such a beautiful place being destroyed. Well, if you'd like to see freedom come back to our shores, uh, certainly you, you you got a sense of who Jonathan Emord is from the many years we've been together in broadcasting and all the things he's done to tackle the bureaucratic oligarchy uh, that rules us. Uh, and uh, shall say no longer put Jonathan Emord in the U.S. Senate and we'll see some major change as he works with others that have a proclivity for freedom and the Constitution. And we'll continue working to support you there, Jonathan. You know it. You bet. Take care. All right. Thank you, Jonathan E. Mord, Sacred Fire of Liberty, each week at this time. Again, look out for the upcoming events. Sign up for the newsletter at robertscatbell.com. And we've got a number of upcoming events as well. The next one coming up, Labor Day weekend, L.A., Glendale, California. We talked about it extensively yesterday with Frank Cousineau, the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual uh, Cancer Convention. And uh, Bob Ree Warren, who, by the way, again, the Folium PX product out of former Soviet Union, Georgia, what he brought out, a Chernobyl-level antioxidant blend that he's made available for all of us. He came via Israel to America. And as, as you hear more and more stories of people that were just kind of stuck, a healing ceiling, I call it, they can't break through. They get on the folium like my mom, and suddenly the energy comes back. Amazing things happen. Check out foliumpx.com. Get the three products. I have them here just so you see them. Uh, the folium uh, immuno, uh, the folium super antioxidant. I call it a Chernobyl-level uh, antioxidant. And the uh, relax. And those three are quite extraordinary. You put them to the test and you'll see what's happening. It's, it's amazing and empowering. So more updates on some upcoming events when we come back from the break. Also, uh, my good friend, Dr. James Lineswiler, Dr. Jack with IPAC-EDU.org. We've been talking a lot about the amazing scientific endeavor inquiry and, and, and great education in a lot of different subjects. Not just purely what you think of as science. It's amazing what's happening without those conflicts of interest, the things we should have learned in grade school, high school, college, university, professional type doctorate level trainings. He's really doing it right. And he's just aligned with our great friend. You know him. I mentioned him, Dr. Robert Verkirk uh, from the Alliance for Natural, for Natural Health USA and Europe and international. Uh, just great stuff happening. So we'll have uh, Dr. Jack back on as well as uh, uh, a guest I don't think we've had on, Brad Miller joining him as well. So stand by for that and a whole lot more. Share the show, robertscabell.com slash listen for the chat room. We'll check out what's going on there. And we'll be back after this because the power to heal is yours. Remember when we do our weekly foray into seemingly a little bit more political discussion with Jonathan Emord, uh, I, I like to think of it as political healing. Um, you know, not everybody's thrilled about having even a minute spent on those kind of topics and discussion points, but it's part of everything. When I talk about healing the body, it's the body politic. Uh, just like I talk about healing the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, the etheric and spiritual bodies, and also economic body, so to speak. And I like to believe in, in my life that I've found that there are principles that underlie and override all of this that come from a far uh, higher or deeper place than government or those who would deem to control government. 
And there's going to be a lot of opinions out there in this audience. We're not unified in our belief about Trump or DeSantis or this or that. And I appreciate all of the insights out there. I really do. And I also believe that even, you know, whoever's president is not going to solve the problem, although it could alter some of the trajectory. We can acknowledge that as well. That fundamentally, unless we begin to embrace our freedom that comes from our very creation, that precedes government and outlasts government, and we begin to live again, that we know that, not that we just believe it, but we know it because it is in, in, it is in the embodiment of every breath we take. There will be always folks that will get into power or attempt to get into power to usurp that power that you have by virtue of your very existence, to convince you that you are less than that great, powerful spiritual being or warrior, whatever you want to perceive it to be, whatever your mission or passion is. Now, you want to engage in that mission and passion. The most efficient way to do that is to have an environment where you are free to do that. An environment where tyranny is the mainstay of every day that you have to fight just to be able to speak truthfully, honestly, openly with integrity, or even say something that someone else might disagree with and come back and say, hey, the evidence says that what you're saying is not right. But what they want to do is preclude your ability even to say that, even if somebody could say, hey, what you're saying is wrong and here's the evidence of it. Now, when we engage scientifically, if we can call it that, We'd want to be able to have an open and free environment where there is not a limitation on the questions you can ask, much less the things you can experiment upon to figure out. And I think about that with, uh, how about cancer research? Yeah, yeah. There was an article, I don't think we got to it in the first hour. Let's see, what was it? Uh, Biden administration, $24 million has now been allocated to a moonshot to fight cancer, according to the Biden administration. $24 million. I mean, to most folks, that, that could be a lot of money. Of course, if the Federal Reserve has its way, it's like a Zimbabwe trillion dollar note. And, and that, that could happen uh, in a neighborhood near you the way that's going. But $24 million. In the meantime, what do we have here in the opening of hour two? The HHS awards $1.48 billion in grants to develop future COVID-19 tools. Future COVID-19 tools. The old ones didn't work, the ones that were officially sanctioned, the things that I was talking about here and others, doctors and non-doctors alike, that were succeeding. No, they were censored out of existence. There it is. HHS awards $1.4 billion in grants to develop future COVID-19 tools. COVID-19, wasn't that yesterday? Isn't it endemic now, whatever the hell you believe it is? Of course, now we've seen that it is an engineered scenario. It's not a natural phenomenon at all. And yeah, there's a lot of points of controversy that we tackle that I'm perfectly willing to discuss and tackle. I don't claim to have all the answers. Certain things that uh, I brought out, concerns that I had from the very beginning, you know, like the moment I, I I heard they were using PCR to diagnose it, I was like, oh, this is again a, another scam, just as it was under the era of HIV causing AIDS and all the tests that are not tests for HIV. And I remember the controversies back in 1994 when I was first on radio just being interviewed for four hours, it was supposed to be a one-hour interview, and I mentioned that, and people were going apoplectic. Even today, they go a little freaky when you mention things like that. But if you really look into actual, and I don't even say actual science, because the science, what is the science? Science is an ongoing you know, endeavor. You question, you hypothesize, you test hypotheses, et cetera. And remember, anecdotes is the starting point of science often. 
It's the observation that causes us to ask a question. Okay, what is going on here? Can we assess this in some experimental by some experimental means and figure it out? Or if not, then at least acknowledge there's a strange anomaly or uh, uh, let's say some kind of temporal relationship between people that take certain natural substances and their ability to withstand or overcome and succeed in addressing a certain disease that they diagnose or, or classify. And those things would be diminished greatly and are diminished greatly in the, the current tyrannical state of not science, but uh, again, Fauci, NIAID, NIH grant uh, proposals, much less approvals based on as long as you study within the box that we define for you, and we won't lay it out exactly, but you'll know it when we deny you the grant. And if you ever you know, try to uh, propose a grant at NIH for that kind of study outside of this box, you're going to figure out you're done, you're out of here. And the controlling of what's called science is such that conflicts of interest are uh, basically endemic to everything within government, and medicine and media, in fact, all of that mushed mush together. So those of us who would question any of that, and then we're told we're questioning science, we're anti-science, and quite the opposite is true. Those that are afraid to question anything, consensus as well, that idea that consensus is science, that's like democracy. We voted on what everybody has to believe. The majority wins. Sorry. You know, if you want a cancer therapy other than chemo, radiation, and surgery, you don't want democracy because let's just acknowledge that probably the majority of Americans Certainly doctors believe that chemo, radiation, surgery are maybe the only way to go. Or maybe as an adjunct, you could use something else. But really, it's it's that, that's it. And that's why I've said, uh, unlike two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner, that's the old uh, adage uh, regarding uh, democracy. How about two oncologists and a homeopath voting on what to, to treat, how to treat your cancer? You know what the, the winning uh, vote will be based on that. That's why democracy is a dangerous form of government in its purest form. And, you know, unfortunately, words are just thrown out callously. And, and even, you know, I would take issue with Bobby Kennedy, who I like a lot. My gosh, this guy is a man of integrity, but he talks democracy, democracy. And they, they all say, we're saving the world for democracy. Even Republicans have said it over the years. I think it matters that we understand the real nature of that form of government and that we aren't supposed to be that. We aren't that. And if we become that, mob rule is not an ideal place and space to be. Now, what is the ideal place and space to be? I, I argue again, freedom. And in freedom, we can work things out. And it is in our best interest to do so. If you leave a, a, you know, a community that has a wide diversity of beliefs, religions, races, et cetera, together, you leave them alone, they tend to find a way to work together, communicate with each other and say, you know, it's in our best interest not to be at war with each other all of the time or maybe ever. Or if we have a dispute, to find a way to peacefully address it. And I brought this up over the years. You know, my mom's from Israel. She was born in what was then called Palestine or that region. And she, you know, was there at the time of the war and all that happened. But she remembers before even the war and all of the conflict there that, that occurred. The British, you know, government had a lot to do with it. Globalists had a lot to do with it, mucking it up. The Arabs, the Jews, the Christians, they were all living amongst one another. They shared you know, towns and cities, Jerusalem, there was a shook, the markets, the the coffee shops, people engaged in, in, in economic discourse, much less other things. And yeah, argue, whatever, disagree, but there wasn't an intent to kill one another all of the time. Yes, there's a history of, uh, of that in, in on the world and on this planet, but very often it's fomented from folks through this Hegelian dialectic that we've talked about here over the years as well, which I believe some of the things you'll learn at IPAC may address things even like this when we talk about political science and history, how we got here. For me, a big part of science is identifying cause and its effect and tying the two together so that we're not 
scratching our heads going, I have no idea why I'm sick. And you begin to say, oh, if this led to this and this led to this, what if we begin to undo that, unravel that? And if that also led to the diminishment of this and we needed that, maybe we should replenish that. I was like, oh, no, that's all too simple, Robert. It's, it's way more complicated than that. We need another billion dollars for cancer research or, in this case, $24 million for a moonshot. What? Really? Ah, I don't need to say anything more than that. I need to bring Dr. James Lyons-Weiler into the mix and uh, go deeper than I can go ever. Dr. Jack, what's happening, my brother? Man, that was quite a layup. Way to manage expectations now, Robert. Scott Bell. <laughs> you know, you didn't call me. <laughs> out of all the people that I like to call friends, and you are a, a dear friend of mine, you certainly have the gift of gab, my brother. You were well endowed by the universe uh, on how to speak and communicate. And congratulations on that wonderful gift. It's quite a pleasure always listening to you. I can't take my ears off of you. Well, you're very kind, Jack. And I know, you know, I love and appreciate you as well for all the things that you bring to us. And, 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 you know, that my love of science, it really has always been there. I never went into the official, even though I had a path into the medical degree kind of thing. And I found out, you know, at a certain point in my younger life at university, uh, I was so disgusted with what they did to me that my conclusion was if I did, like my uncle warned me, the doctor, he said, don't do it, you'll be miserable, that I would indeed be so miserable that whatever I would be helpful to do as a doctor would be destroyed by my own depression. And so I went a different path. I didn't know the path until years later. And again, going back to rewriting or erasing history, homeopathy, oh my gosh, what is this? And it was taught at Emory University where I went up until 1949, it was on the medical yeah. school curricula. It was one of the last holdouts after Flexner reported 1910. Uh, and, and that's the point. They erase history. You don't even have to rewrite, just erase part of it. And you control the, the present and the future. And you're all about correcting that with IPAC, I believe. Thank you. Yeah. So IPAC EDU is uh, a life mission of mine now. I mean, I, ha I had this epiphany to actually create an online university where people can take college level, university level courses, uh, get the goods on the reality of what they would learn. Um, in an objective way so that they're, we don't answer to a curriculum committee. You don't get a degree, but our lifelong learners don't care if they get a degree. And so I started with, uh, you know, the first course, how to read and interpret a scientific study. Second course, uh, introduction to biology. Third course, environmental toxicology. Now, from there, we've just launched into so many different directions. So many topics that you just talked about. We do have a course on constitutional law. We do have a course on history of law in the United States and in the West. Uh, we have um, an amazing course on holistic health taught by Dr. David Brownstein. And that's in the fall, and that's a very popular course. My course on immunology is second to his in popularity. Um, and then we have uh, Dr. Heert Vandenbosch coming with the immune biology and um, you know the effects of trying to address immunity during an epidemic or pandemic, that should mm -hmm. be fascinating. Um, you mentioned cancer. I have a 23, 24 lecture course in depth, all hour long lectures on cancer. These are live courses. So you're going to be able to interact with the instructors here. Um, Jen Kozak has an integrative approaches towards mental wellness. Mm -hmm. course, which, you know, she's there talking about the things that are challenges to our mental wellness. And you get to interact with her and other students in these classes. So, you know, um, take a look around there. People have a responsibility, I think, to 
themselves to improve themselves through knowledge, but not as though it's a commodity. Knowledge is mm -hmm. not a commodity, it's a tool. And that's why our prices are so low. We don't, you know, charge thousands of dollars. You can take just as many courses as you can afford. And, um, you know, we do have monthly plans as well. So, you know, we, we're only, what, two and a half years old, and we've already had something like 1,200, uh, 1,400 students. I can't, I've lost that's track so, That's now. so awesome. And I tell you, Jack, I am so excited about the alignment with uh, Dr. Robert Verkirk and A&H and that there's a course that you're offering that I looked at the amount of time that it's being given to those that want to and the price. I'm like, dude, you would pay that for each class or double that. I mean, it, it's astonishing. Again, you're making it extraordinarily affordable, but the kind of uh, education that is not being taught in major research universities around the world quite the opposite they would try to stop something like this from being taught in those in those uh, uh, uh theaters if you will and and yet not because anything is wrongly being taught in my opinion but the fact it contravenes a lot of the control of information as i talked about the box and and how they control what you can study what you can propose to study and how those phds that go in maybe for all the right reasons because they have a genuine desire to learn and teach and they find out how limited they are and they either leave the profession, if you will, because they realize they can't engage in what they thought it was all about, or they just kind of acquiesce and go, all right, I'll just write another grant for this and they'll give it to me because it's in the box. Well, it really depends on, you know, do you see teaching as a job or do you see it as a mission, right? And so I, I see it as a mission, obviously. Um, uh, I grew up in an environment where knowledge was kept away from me. I was forbidden from reading books in my house. I literally had to crawl down the hallway to steal books. I think you've heard me talk about this before. Yes. Um, and and so, you know, in this era where information controls your perception of reality, actually, you know, Robert, if you went, if you took my bio one and bio two courses and then went to a college or university and took bio one and bio two, the only difference between my course and those courses is I've added a lecture on immunology. That's it. Yeah. They're literally plug and play. And I have no agenda other than to educate the reality of science, the reality of what's going on. And me and the other, uh, you know, we, we teach what we know. And so for this, for the first time in 25 years, I'm going to be teaching uh, evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. Now, why would I want to do that at this point in time in my life? Well, the response to immunology was great because of COVID. So I'm a disaster capitalist. Come and get me, right? The response to Jessica Rose's offer that she might she might actually teach virology was great. Why? Because of COVID-19. Well, they tell us that this variant from Canada is the one that's actually going to have to cause us to mask and lock down and everything else. In addition to teaching bioinformatics and how to analyze these protein sequences and these DNA sequences, RNA sequences, understanding the principles of evolutionary biology will allow you to place their messaging in context. Like an evolutionary biologist, anybody that walks out of my immunology class understands immunology. Anyone that walks out of my autoimmune class totally understands autoimmunity. And, and you cannot escape these courses, you mentioned the price, it's about $12 per lecture and they're hour long lectures with interactions with people who know how to maybe answer your questions. My community asks me questions all the time I don't know the answer to. And they're sometimes they're very obvious, right? We had a, we had a lecture in autoimmunity and, and one of the students said, do you have any studies that show that supplementing your diet with um, 
the lecture was on microbiome and autoimmunity, which Mm -hmm. is amazingly complex. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And I just finished that lecture. It was fun. But um, do you have any study? Do you know of any studies that show that supplementing your diet with prebiotics actually impacts the microbiome? And I'm like, I'm, I'm up to my ears and over my eyes in microbiome stuff right now with this microbiome workshop. And you know, I never bothered to download the literature that shows the impact of supplementation and, pro- and prebiotics. So, you know, they, they ask good questions and I improve and I come back at them with the studies they ask for. And, uh, you know, it, that nature of, of real life dy- dynamic learning mm-hmm. is something you don't get from online universities that just simply give you canned lectures here, watch these 16 lectures and swear that you watch them and you get your, you know, right. you, you get your little gold star that you did it. Um, excuse me, here, my goal is to empower people or better yet, help people empower themselves through knowledge. So what am I going to do except for teach what I think is is real and backed by, you know, yeah. science, backed by hundreds of years of observation and so on. So um, and then we had this great experience. Uh, thanks for having us on. We had this great experience uh, with the Humanities Curriculum Committee, right? So it's all science, science, science. What about the feeling end of it and the art and the science and literature, the art and literature, paint, you know, um, music and so on. Mm-hmm. So we are dipping our toe in this semester in the fall into humanities with a course that has a good number of students enrolled in uh, looking at literature as resistance. So we all cite Orwell, we cite mm-hmm. Aldous Huxley. We, there are other ones that we make passing citations to, but how many of us remember exactly the details of what's between the covers mm-hmm. of those books? So I'm very proud that the uh, one of the 101st Airborne um, commanders uh, in the U.S. Army who left the U.S. Army in defiance of accepting the mandated jab. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking, and his interests really aligned. So he stepped up to develop this course on literature as resistance, and it's going to be quite an experience. So uh, Brad Miller is his Yes, name. let's bring Brad into the mix here, if you don't mind. Uh, welcome, Brad, to the Robert Scabell Show for the first time. I'm grateful that uh, Dr. Jack has brought us together, especially with what I'm learning about what you're about to teach. And uh, Jack, if you want to introduce him officially more than that, but I mean, well, already it's an extensive background to, to, to be here to do this. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hit it, Brad. Tell us all about yourself. What happened? Yeah, so just very briefly, so, um, so I'm a West Point graduate. I spent about 19 years in the Army, and um, I took command of a battalion within the 101st Airborne Division in the summer of 2021, just a couple of months before the, what I would call unlawful implementation of the uh, the COVID-19 you know vaccine mandate. Um, I refused to go along with it. I was relieved of my command, and then a couple of months later, when it was very clear that the Department of Defense was not going to walk this back, then I decided to resign. And so altogether, I served a little over 19 years of, of active service. And um, anyway, a couple of months ago, Dr. Jack and I, through a mutual contact, we got to know each other. We started speaking about this. And, you know, here we are. Yeah, the, the rest of the story for Brad is that he was actually three months away from receiving a pension. So, you know, 
my heart went out to him, right? And here he is, a sensitive guy, thoughtful guy, willing to stand up for what's right by his principles mm-hmm. and not transmit that order to the people that served under him to vaccinate as well. I mean, that's part of what he walked away from. Uh, he is an American hero in in outside of his service to the country and military. So, um, yeah, we're very proud and so proud about it. And, you know, it just gelled, didn't it, Brad, with the where were we going with the humanities curriculum and the course on reading these these uh, pieces of literature and your vision, you added so much to it. So I'm really excited about this course. Why don't you tell us where you're taking it? Yeah, well, Robert, just a few minutes ago, you were talking about, um, whether we talk about health freedom or freedom in general, we're talking about information. A few minutes ago, you mentioned the, uh, you know, the Hegelian dialectic, something I've been studying for a long time. So Again, whether it's health freedom or freedom in general, to a large degree, we're only as good as the information that we receive. So if that information is controlled or if that information comes through some sort of um, a filter that alters the way in which we either receive or perceive it, then we may not necessarily be able to make the decisions that are going to be the most appropriate for us Definitely. or for our lives yeah. or our families, etc. So one of the things that we wanted to do in this endeavor to... Um, expand the curriculum offered at IPAC-EDU was, well, hey, what about a, uh, a course in literature? Well, what type of literature? Well, how about some of these books that everyone's aware of, either they read them, or even if they haven't read them, everyone's aware just through culture of what the term big brother means or thought crime, etc. Well, hey, let's go through these books that people read, and maybe they only have a superficial understanding as to what they actually mean, or maybe they've never read them, they're just aware of them, well, let's go through and read some of these and maybe even read some others that most Americans are not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And so what are the ones that we're going to read as part of the course? Well, we're going to read 1984. We're going to read Brave New World. We're going to read Fahrenheit 451. There's another novel that a lot of Americans are unfamiliar with that's called We, W-E, which is a, uh, a Russian novel by Yevgeny Zamyatin. And it comes out of um, the very, very early days of the Soviet Union written in the early 1920s that is as much a dystopian novel as um, as Orwell's 1984 is. It's just a lot of Westerners are unfamiliar with it. So let's go through, let's read these, and let's take the, the warnings or the insights that come from these novels and almost use those as an interpretive lens to try and better understand our world in 2023, even though some of what we're going to read was written 100 years ago. Well, in context of, of those who wrote it, I think learning about... Uh, what motivated them? What did they experience? Why do they know what they know to write what they wrote? I mean, these are things that were so absent in in much of our upbringing in government indoctrination centers, aka public schools, which have gotten much worse since I was there. I, I think that's a fantastic question, too, is um, when you look at the biographies of some of these individuals, principally George Orwell and Aldous Huxley, and you look at the um, kind of their background, you can ask yourself, is it that they are warning us per se, or is it that they uh, they are privy to inside knowledge? And then you got to ask yourself, well, how are they privy to that inside knowledge? And those are very interesting questions and give us um, maybe give us a little bit additional perspective as to mm-hmm. how we should understand what it is that they're telling us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is what brings learning back to life. You know, I, I've talked about my uh, disdain for history in grade school and high school uh, because it was taught merely as a date, time, and a place, and here's what happened. And then you learned another date, time, and place, and here's what happened. There was no connectivity. It was just like, 
dead. It was like, I didn't want nothing about why nothing about how it was connected. And until I left university level and began to research history on my own, began to pick up books that were not part of my curriculum. I was like suddenly going, Oh my gosh, what I missed, what I didn't know. And then it, you know, it, it turned me a bit into what I do today to try and communicate that, which was not communicated to me in my upbringing. So again, if you're all wondering why I'm so excited about what's happening with IPAC and Dr. Jack, and now with meeting Brad, this is why, because this is what was missing through much of our upbringing, you know, and Jonathan Emord has written an extensive book about the progressive era from the 19th century forward to kind of lay out the missing pieces of how we even got here politically, that it didn't just happen. It didn't just Biden fall out of the sky. That's promoting mandates for things that are just so absurd to understand and figure out how we got here gives us a pathway out of the mess. Otherwise we are still at the mercy of those experts that actually nefariously kind of molded us through that Hegelian dialectic to, to believe the things that we believe today that are completely displaced and misplaced from history because we weren't given context. And that's just the way they like it, not the way we want it. Yeah, I fully agree. The uh, So the course is entitled Literature's Resistance, but there's a subtitle to the course that we put on it that is... Um, recognizing unmasking and countering totalitarian tendencies so we're not just this is not just a book club you know nerds getting together and uh and go through some obscure texts right who are you looking at when you said that by the way nobody you know i'm looking at my i i am the chief nerd here right i mean hey he said it's not just a book club of nerds it's it's more in addition to that right Book, book club plus but we're, we're reading these with a purpose. You know, there is objective. There's an objective behind educating ourselves. And that's to understand what we can take from this uh, from this literature and apply to our lives so that we can potentially foresee what's going to come down before it actually does. So we might give ourselves a little bit of time to either prepare or um, defend ourselves as it may be against whatever might be coming our way. Hmm. The literature itself is, is part of the roadmap of who we are as well. It's a big, important part of who we are as a culture in the United States and elsewhere in, in, the, in, in the West and around the world. Um, I'm, I'm secretly hoping that we might birth a Solzhenitsyn or someone like that that can, you know, really capture the moments today and put into writing in a way that uh, inspires future generations to heed the warning that they knew, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we know, for instance, that we're being lied to when we, when we say we're being lied to? It doesn't fit the context of every other thing that we're eating, breathing, sleeping, and so on. It's just, it's out of left field, some of the things that they're pulling. And so, um, you know, and this is true for all these courses. There's an application of, for, the, for this knowledge. Uh, Wayne Rohde is coming to teach again a second round of the vaccine court course that he's teaching Mm -hmm. on compensation for vaccine injury. That's not going to be applicable to most people. Maybe you have a lot of people who are very curious about the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, uh, or they want to educate their loved ones better about it, or they have a friend whose child is vaccine injured, and they might want to advise them on talking with a lawyer about approaching the program or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does a great job and he's well loved by, uh, by the students. Um, so, you know, with, with this opportunity that we have with Brad, then kind of cracking the, cracking the, uh, the, the ice on, uh, 
breaking the ice on on the subject of humanities, we really don't know exactly where we're going to go, but I'm happy to say, Brad, you now have 14 willing learners who are going to come spend time with you for 14, 15 weeks. And uh, I'm sure you're going to do a great job. I think there'll be more now that they've learned about it here. Uh, it's very exciting to know what you're doing and uh, Brad to connect with you as well. And uh, Dr. Jack, dude, the, you know, this vision you have, it's like, I don't know if you realize how big it was when you started it humbly. And, you know, in this little thing, it's like, I see what's happening here. Actually, you know, I was on a boat on Lake St. Clair and it was the height of COVID. And I was thinking about all the lonely people stuck at home. And I realized that there are a lot of people of certain age groups, especially and and people who, because they have to take care of their kids all day long, or maybe they have kids who have autism and they can't leave, they really can't have any kind of social life um, that or, or get out at all, that maybe we can come to them. And that's why the live component of it's so important, but uh, I was so overwhelmed by how big it is in terms of a vision and where it could go and the good that it could have in society, I started shaking. Hmm. I, I had so much adrenaline, I couldn't control myself. And so, um, you know, I'd like to say that I did the right thing and yelled a yeehaw and jumped off the bow of the boat while it was traveling at, you know, full speed. But I didn't. Yeah. I, I just kind of looked at the sun setting and uh, took it all in and relaxed and said, OK, how do we build it? Where do we begin? More so than any other point in my life, I've done so much administrative work. Uh, just keeping track of all of the courses and the, hiring the instructors and doing payroll and things like that. I'm not a businessman. I'm a scientist, research scientist. And I love being an uncle and a grandpa to Grace's grandson and granddaughters and a dad. I love playing around with little kids on the ground and, you know, getting in trouble and having them knock me over. But um, this is serious work. Mm. This is really serious work to bring material to people that they know is going to be solid and if it's not solid they're free to question we are not teaching any type of dogma even in the evolution course i'm not interested in convincing anyone of evolution i'm interested in teaching them the principles of evolutionary biology what they do with it is up to them i, I was thinking their lives in a positive way jack as you bring that up i mean there are so many points of controversy that have not been uh, allowed to, to to bubble up to the surface to even address. And there are many people that have uncovered and discovered these things. And they're like, I've got nowhere to go with this. I'm yelling and screaming. They're angry because no one will listen. And and to have an opportunity to enter into an educational uh, environment, to be able to engage in discussion, debate, even argument about these things, uh, man, again, it's so refreshing. And, and I imagine that even you, Dr. Jack, with all of your openness to a lot of this, is pro you've probably encountered things you're like, I'm scratching my head on that one, and I'm not sure about it, but. Yeah, all the time, and that's when I have the most fun, right? So as a lifelong mm -hmm. learner, I'm addicted to learning. If there's yes. some new area that I haven't gone into and somebody raises my eyes to it, opens my eyes to it, you know, bless you for that. Um, the whole point of discourse for me is that we're going to exchange information and learn. And if one of, here's the deal, you get, you get into an argument with someone, uh, Either one of you is right or both of you are wrong. But either way, if you really work it out, someone's going to learn something. Someone stands to learn something. And that's the beauty of this. And so, you know, people should look at these courses as an investment in themselves, right? It's not a responsibility to society to know as much as you possibly. This is a responsibility to you and to your family and to your loved ones. 
so that you can better take care and you're better able to navigate and maneuver in this com increasingly complex world through the lies, through the misleading information, through the censorship. Um, I mean, you're probably never going to find a more in-depth herbology and human health course than we offer. We've got six instructors, right? And they all have different viewpoints. They're not all going to agree on approaches. So, um, you know, I, I, I am very thrilled about this. And then when you're done with your fall courses, we change the curriculum over from the fall course to the spring curriculum. When you're done with the spring curriculum, you can pick cho choice, you know, you have your choice of workshops mm. in the summer, which include medical rights, informed consent, and human rights. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I would never, ever imagine that I would be teaching this much again ever in my mm. life. But everywhere I went, I was at the University of Massachusetts, University of Pittsburgh, I taught full courses. And the other people in the, on the faculty at the University of Pittsburgh and School of Medicine are like, you're crazy. Why are you teaching? You're in the Department of Pathology. You owe us one lecture. Well, here's a 15 course lecture, 15 class lecture on how to analyze and interpret genomic, proteomic, and genetic data. Why? Because the clinicians don't know how to do it. They need to know, right? So this is a very practical thing. Well, guess what? I also put in there research ethics. They needed to actually hear that it's not okay to do whatever you want with someone's mm -hmm. tissue unless they say, yes, you can do that. Yeah, right? that's the, the big thing about uh, the advancements in technology related to genetic alterations, CRISPR technology, now the mRNA. Who's stopping to ask, just because we can do it, should we? Yeah, that's exactly right. And so to, to actually confront that, you have to then say, well, okay, who gave them the license to do that? And you learn that in detail in mm -hmm. the medical rights and informed consent class in the summer, mm -hmm. because we go all the way back to Nuremberg, we read Nuremberg, then we go to Helsinki, we read Helsinki. I mean, this is just fundamental stuff that nobody's in their right mind is ever gonna do on their own, right? And then you come all the way up until, okay, that's the question. What happened in the United States of America when all of the world paid that heavy price in World War II for medical rights and informed consent what happened to the point where the United States kind of turns a blind eye to the whole thing? How did that even happen? Mm -hmm. And we discover exactly who did it. It's two people, and you know their names, Anthony Fauci and Christine Grady. And we've got the goods. We've got the receipts on when they did it and how they did it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, knowing that then allows you to be a much more interesting person person at cocktail parties i guarantee it. <laughs> yeah and, and brad you have loads of books behind you like dr jack does and i take it if you're teaching this course you're actually reading them unlike me i got no books behind me they're all in front you just have to trust me on that and and i've read most of them but anyway the idea of taking books and actually opening them seems to be foreign to the generations that are below you know after us if you will the millennials and post millennials i'm not saying 100 percent, but a lot of them have not engaged in this kind of research in history, and they are vulnerable as anybody would be without that knowledge. Again, and even in my upbringing, where I had to dive deep into this after all the official learning I got to deprogram myself from a lot of the stuff that was wrong. So where was it that you woke up? Was it the COVID injection mandates, or was there something in you before that that, that kept you ready to just take that step that you're taking now? Yeah, so one of the things that I would first respond to that by saying is that um, one of our objectives in the course is just to encourage people to read more. And I think one of the ways in which we can do that is by, um, as the students in the course, and even myself as the instructor, we can kind of 
gently hold each other accountable for the readings because there will be, you know, I don't want to, I mean, assignments may be strong of a word, but there are encouraged readings to do before the next class, et cetera, so that you'll understand what the next presentation is going to be. So if we kind of hold each other accountable, then maybe we can encourage each other to read books that otherwise people might not necessarily read. Now, myself, I've always been a big reader. So for me, um, I enjoy these books. Now, of course, I'm going through and reading them again. So I'll, I'll be reading them along with the students again as we go through, um, which for me is great because um, I always think that those types of books, you can always take more from them. Um, but myself and my my trajectory started before COVID. Yes, I was in the military, but I was I had been skeptical for a long time about many of the the narratives that had been kind of foisted upon us. And so when I saw what was going on with COVID, even before we got to the injection per se, when I just saw what was going on with the uh, with the COVID narrative, I was I was not going to be a part of it. And so when it came time in which I was backed into a corner personally as to what I was going to have to do, I just said, you know what, I'm going to walk away. I still am very loyal in terms of my oath to the Constitution. And if we're being honest, I felt like, uh, and I know this sounds paradoxical, but I felt like I was put into a situation where I could either be loyal to the military or be loyal to my oath. I chose my oath. I walked mm -hmm. away. If we were in a functional republic, then by serving in the military, you would be serving the country and serving our countrymen. When you live in a dysfunctional republic, that is not necessarily the case. And um, I am completely at peace with the way things have, uh, have shaken out. I mean, it's kind of tragic. I mean, I'm very frustrated and potentially even angry about it. But um, but if I had to do it all over again, I'd make the exact same decision for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, much respect, honestly. And that's, again, another inspiring story of what it takes, not only what it takes, but what happens when you do it. And, you, and as you say, even though uh, life has been different, there probably are some other challenges and hardships not being on a track you were on that you wouldn't have made a different decision if you were given that decision or choice to make again. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've encouraged people to live by principle and stand on and defend those principles. And I think much of the history that I then learned about our, the, our country's origin was about men, particularly who stood on principle, even if they were in the minority. And a lot of people just kind of came along and were like, do we really want to mess with the British? They're the empire. And, uh, you know, I say this so often, how, our belief in somebody's power over us is part of the power over us. You know, that's emanating from us, not them. And the moment we begin to recognize our power, our presence, if you will, in creation, going beyond government, et cetera, we now have an ability to withstand a lot of threats, a lot of fear mongering, a lot of those things that people are just cowering in fear and they go along. Uh, they see you, they see Dr. Jack, they see others that we feature on this show and they say, hey, I have a living example now. I can go, oh, maybe I can do that too. So, and and the books are great as well, but we we got to bring them, as I think, to life to begin to see those men and women of principle in history and begin to say that wasn't just, or for those that read the Bible, the great stories of miracles in the Bible, that those didn't just happen thousands of years ago. They don't happen today. They happen every moment that we're alive. Um, but I think my experience has been those folks that try to rule over us, deceive us, diminish us, they really are encouraged by the fact that you're not interested in reading. I'm speaking to the young people now. They like it that you're not investigating the, you know, the classical literature, the history, and all the sciences as well. And I think the corruption of the, of the teaching of history that made me so uh, 
disgusted by it. Like now I love history. I mean, my gosh, I can't get enough reading about it, but how did they turn me off of that before I even had a chance by teaching it in such a way that they knew it would create at, at the very least discord, but certainly disinterest. And uh, I'm grateful that something in me caused me to go a different direction. And perhaps all of the things I complained about when I was young about suffering and, 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 and the ailments and illnesses were that driving force to, you know, to say, Hey, I've got to find a way. Cause these experts don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. And I need, I want to live. <laughs> I'm here to do something. Even if I don't know fully what it is, I suspect it's something. I I feel that's true for all of you out there in this audience. If you haven't figured it out yet, and even if you have, it might change tomorrow, but having the tools, and I'm just going to say it, IPAC-EDU.org, bringing those tools back. <laughs> Yeah, the, part of that, part of that, what, what part of the reason why I'm so excited about uh, Brad's course is that mm -hmm. an experience where you're reading something together and then discussing it br breathes life into it, so it becomes part of a, a living mm -hmm. body, a living experience, a living body of knowledge. Yes, um, and and uh, it's very different than going in a corner, putting on a light, reading a book, and thinking about it yourself. Um, having your thoughts shared perhaps even challenged, is a very healthy thing. People can learn to stand on their own two feet when it comes to speaking, for instance. They can help find their voice this way, right? We might be able to help you find your voice this way uh, and practice. And, and that's one of the things we've got a lot of feedback from people that take my courses in science. Uh, there's one of my students, she uh, was totally intimidated by the course material. Her, her brother-in-law is a doctor, sister's a nurse. And after taking three courses, she said, Thanksgiving has never been better. <laughs> uh, you know, she can hold her own and she can chat. And they said to her, you awesome. sound completely different. Yeah. You sound like, you know, what you're talking about all of a sudden. How did you do that? You know, they don't, they still don't agree with her, but mm -hmm. at least they, she has their ear. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and that's a credit to her as well. She's super yeah. smart and she really applied herself, but you know, there's the chance and the opportunity that you might pick up on something that helps someone else. And that's, you know, we're all in this together for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, again, I'm just thrilled by what I'm learning each time, Dr. Jack, I get a depth of what you're bringing. And now this course with Brad, which who I didn't know before today, uh, teaching a very important course in terms of literature and resistance. Um, very timely. If there ever was a time to go through that course, my gosh, Oh, you found it. Super Don found it. And uh, how, how again? How many how many times will you guys meet for that? One hundred eighty bucks. That's great. Yeah. So for this course, it's going to be nineteen lessons. Each lesson will be approximately ninety minutes. So it's wow. going to be a fairly robust course. I mean, we're going to read four novels, one short story. We're going to watch an old dystopian film from nineteen twenty seven called Metropolis. So I mean, there's going to be oh, yeah. it's going to be a lot of material, a, a very robust course that people are going to be able to uh, participate in. I got to ask, knowing what we know about the lifestyle of everybody today, just trying to keep up with the cost of government, uh, people work and they do 10 jobs, whatever. Uh, what if you miss a class? I mean, do, can you catch up? Is there a way to sure. see it after the fact? Yeah, so they'll all be recorded and then the, okay. uh, the Zoom recordings will be sent out. So if you miss a lesson, no big deal. You just catch up the recording Beautiful. and you jump right back in for the next week. Right. If, you, if you're busy painting the ceiling, the, the roof of your house blue, Okay, <laughs> and you can't make a class. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You'll be sent the video right after the live within 24 hours or so after the live and you can catch up. 
All right. Super Don, where's the picture of that one house that didn't get burned that had a red roof? That was interesting. Is that was that photoshopped or is that real? Because it's, you know, it's all the AI generated. I don't I don't know what to I know. Do. We don't know anymore. But no, yeah, no super but yeah, the, oh, fires do weird things, but there are strange anomalies about it. I'm not a, a there it, there it is. Miracle house in Lahaina, uh red roof, right? So I you know, what do you say? Um, I like approaching these things with a great degree of skepticism. It doesn't mean that there aren't anomalies that are hard to explain or that there aren't folks engaged in nefarious agendas using technologies that do exist according to the patent records, at least. Um, you know, I can't dismiss these things outright, outright, but I do like to be able to engage in discussion with folks and say, hey, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. This is where we're speculating. But it's part of the process. And it seems like you're bringing that back into the sciences and more than that, literature and history. I'm an empiricist. I want to hire Magnum PI to fly me over in his helicopter and show me the roofs. I want to see what color the roofs are that survived and mm -hmm. then get a laser and repeat that experiment that you all have seen on social media. Exactly. With different washcloths. So, you know, the, in, in terms of keeping it real, right? So there have been people that have completely checked out of courses for like six weeks, blew it off completely. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so great to have these links because I can catch up. And people that register late, they can catch up after three or four class periods, and it's not too much to just, you know, suck it up and watch three of the class ex episodes on your own or whatever and, and mm -hmm. go for it and jump in with the rest. Um, it's it, This is part of that personal responsibility thing, right? So, uh, and then I have these, uh, some students apologize, like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed class, Dr. Jack. That's so cute, right? It's like, I don't feel like that way at all. Yes, I miss you. You're my you're my student. You're, you know, we have a connection. But mm -hmm. you don't owe it to me to show up to class, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's, you owe it to yourself and your family if you mm -hmm. want to do something with your time that's worthwhile. So, um, of course, the Robert Scott Bell Show is always worthwhile. I'm so thrilled to, you know, be partnering with you now a little bit. And uh, you're going to hear a lot about our courses on the uh, Robert Scott Bell Show. So thank you for that, Robert. Dude, I'm so grateful that you you'd come to this audience and say, I, I think what we have is worthwhile. And I, I wholly endorse it. And Super Don, my critical thinking producer, um, you know, you were, I don't know if you played hooky a lot in high school or whatever. You like to play the bad guy, the bad kid, right? But dude, I think you're even intrigued by the things that are being taught here. I have a sense of you, what's going on here. You're liking it. The, uh, the variety of courses that you see in this thing is is amazing. They're, I mean, they're literally unless you just don't like to learn stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to find something on there. You're going to be like, oh hey, and the 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 prices are just like yeah. nothing, you know, compared Very to reasonable. what you would you would uh, you know. My wife went to community college and stuff, man. It's it's not cheap going to college. You look at the prices on these courses, you're just like, holy cow. Yeah, well, haven't you seen in our lifetime, Super D, that the value in what we call a degree, I joke about it calling it that, but uh, has gone diminished greatly because of what... It means all, very little these days, not compared to like when different. we were growing yeah. up, right? Yeah. When we were growing up, it was simple, man. You, your, your parents drilled it into your head. You know, you go to school, you go to college, you get married, you have three and a half kids, a white picket fence, you know, the whole deal, become successful... Yeah. Um, today, you know, and like I said, I have firsthand experience here with, with, you know, what my, what my wife went, fortunately it worked out for her, mm -hmm. but for the majority of people that go to college, they get this piece of paper that they hang on the wall. They end up working at, you know, Walmart you with know? lots of debt like, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to Jack's point, you know, it's, you know, bettering yourself 
You know, where is that? I don't hear that message much out there. You know, when they say go to college, it isn't to better yourself. What is it for anymore? Right. When they're teaching you things as I went through university and I'm coming embarrassed about my degree, I'm like I had to unlearn or deprogram. You, you, you hide it in a, in a box in the closet, don't you? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to keep you out of the workforce, well, you still have some life left in you, you know? Yeah. It's going to take another four years to strangle it out of you or something. But, you know, I used to teach at a community college because I wanted to help people going into biotech learn bioinformatics. But, you know, the cost was high for the students, right? So they had to have some kind of a program for cost saving for the students underwritten by the government, the old government. Mm-hmm. And uh, they pay their instructors a pittance. The more people that sign up for Brad's course, the more money he's going to make. It's plain and simple. It's it's we put we pay our instructors under a publication contract. I'd, I'd be embarrassed to tell you what I paid Dr. Brownstein with is 140 students. You guys can do the math. There's some significant revenue there. And so signing up is not, you know, to better yourself as well. But you're also supporting our instructors, making them want to do a better job. There's nothing wrong with having a financial incentive and getting rewarded for your hard work and wanting to do better. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, I, I make a little coin from doing this exercise. I wouldn't be in it if I didn't, right? But that's okay. We all have bills to pay. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're, it's not a donation. It's not a gift. It's, you know. We got to eat. And I, I love supporting folks that are doing great work and uh, you feel good about it. And I think that, the point of what you're saying and in seeing what Brad's been through, you know, a lot of people that, that end up doing what Brad did to stand against it have been the recipients of just the largest of donations to help folks through a tough time because they appreciate your, your stand. But now you're taking it into a, a, I think another greater place where it isn't charity, even though charity is wonderful that we have the ability to do, to give of, of our, of ourselves freely, but it is now to engage in bettering each and all of us in this equation. Everybody engaged from the student to the teacher to the, the developer of the school, all of us becoming better, more able to do the things, empowered to do the things that we think we're now we have no access to that because we're not getting the grants. We're not getting the big bucks that they're throwing at what the research for cancer that only includes the belief that you're deficient in chemo. I mean, uh, we got to grow beyond that. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I could show up at a community college and have 20 to, you know, 12 to 30 students or whatever, and I, I'd get paid per credit hour. doesn't matter how many students take the class, but right? This is a different model. And therefore, the students, the participants in the course, they have an incentive to help out in a way that is uh, more equitable. They have that relationship. I'm, I'm paying for this. And there's 30 other people. So, you know, that we're all helping out and keeping the course afloat. Yeah. Because some courses are not going to run if they don't have enough attendance. And that's sure. okay. We'll just pass that on to the next semester. But you can, like I said, uh, you can get a refund. We don't hang on to your money just because mm-hmm. you find a piece of, you know, you, 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 you said, I want this course. And no, 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 wait a minute. We don't have that. Imagine going to a restaurant. Okay, this is what the colleges and universities do. They say, okay, sign up for a course. And if you're in that course too long, we're going to keep, you know, no, if you're in a course and you don't like it, we'll give you all your money back or you can transfer it to another class. No hard feelings. Imagine going to a restaurant and saying, you know what, I ordered the steak, but this is there's something wrong with the meat. And like, well, we're going to keep your money for your for your meal. Yeah. And we're not going to give you anything else unless you buy another meal. Or, or no. Jack, That's even not- worse with these college universities, people that signed on to go suddenly found themselves unable to go because they weren't willing to get the injection. There was no yeah, refund. No, no injection I mean, required. 
required to come to right. IPEC.edu, by the way. Yes, There's no exactly. vaccine mandate. And if they ever tried to say that you're unsafe sitting on that side of the camera or on this side of the camera, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, we probably exactly. have a discussion or two with some public health right. people. One more thing I want to leave everybody with, and I think, you know, I'm just not to uh, be presumptuous, but I imagine there might be some folks out in this audience that have something to teach as well that might go, I've, I don't have a venue or platform. They might want to propose to Dr. James Lyons Wilder, Dr. Jack, and say, hey, Jack, I've got this. No one's teaching this, and I think it would be great. Would you encourage people to submit that and you, you'd review it with yeah, thank you for that. That's an important part of this. So not only that, but any any participant in the class in any class can propose a course just by emailing info at ipac-edu.org. And if you're an instructor and you want to get the hell out of Dodge and come on over to the dark side and actually teach, um, yeah, send me your resume and make a pitch. We might already have it on there. If we don't, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. This includes guest lectures. If you're if you ha if you're an expert in autoimmunity and you think I'm going to miss a point in my pitch it. If you yeah. are an expert in environmental toxicology, pitch it. Come to me and it's okay. Invite yourself to give a guest lecture. I'll say yes and you'll be compensated for your purport your your contribution to the course for sure. Nice. Well, we're well over time now, guys. But I didn't want to stop for a second, Brad. So stoked to meet you and uh glad to know you're teaching a course there it sounds fantastic and i'm sure a lot of folks are going to join in in addition to those you already have and dr jack of course every time you come on we're always smarter because of it so thank you you and super dan are a blessing thank you so much both of you it's good to see you brad we'll see you again all right bonus round coming up i got questions of the day on toenail fungus yeah i gotta answer that one and uh muscle uh issues as well ipac-edu.org all links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com more announcements and other things when we come back bonus round begins after this because the power to heal is yours how are you feeling is it a hot august day for you or you are we're back in the 80s today yeah. We had, a, had a, a couple of days there. It was in the 60s for a couple of days, and yesterday mm -hmm. it was in the 70s, and we're back up to uh, mid-80s today. So I got the fan going. Right. Well, I got the hot August uh, AMA from, on Zoom coming up Saturday with you, my friend, August Two more 26th. Days. Yeah. yeah. Saturday, August 26th, uh, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for our Patreon supporters, the Robert Scott Bell Show. You know who you are or you know who you could be. Just as little as five bucks a month to support us in addition to just sharing the show, which I'm grateful for. We do a lot of fun giveaways, and I'm just starting to get the packages together as we're gathering all the winners of the uh, entrance to the, hey, why do you listen to, why do you watch the Robert Scott Bell Show? Uh, you can you can call that in any time, by the way. You don't have to wait for a contest, but it's fun when we get the giveaway stuff. And a lot of what I'm sending out are the uh, – apricots from my backyard organic quality not uh certified by the federal government but i can tell you you know me the only thing that's a pesticide that i would ever use is orange guard the limiting based uh pest control which is non-toxic omri listed for you know certified organic agriculture as well and you can go to orangeguard.com or go to whole foods if you like them or don't just please just for the sake of uh supporting a I'll great right business back. yeah go ahead a great business like Tor McPartland has. We'll talk with Tor tomorrow to remind you. Uh, but uh, it's in the system, the uh, Whole Food system. And just let them know, hey, you got the Orange Guard in stock, please. And, of course, you can go to the local Ace Hardware store where are independently owned, operated, I think, as franchises. So, you, you know, you usually have a local person in your area 
that owns it Ace Hardware, they also carry in the midst of a lot of nasty stuff, they carry the Orange Guard too. So go there or go to orangeguard.com directly uh, to, to get plugged into that, uh, which is wonderful. So tomorrow we'll be talking about that. We also have, in addition to tour tomorrow on Friday's show, uh, Liz Reitzig is going to join us. And she's working with Congressman Thomas Massey on something called the Prime Act. We're going to learn a little bit more about that, food freedom. That's a big fundamental uh, discussion and issue uh, that that Congress is tackling, you know, with the various farm bills, et cetera. Uh, are they going to try and restrict your freedom? Are they going to put you on uh, uh, some form of uh, uh, electronic food stamps? Are they going to dole out, uh, what, what is it, uh, rations? Are they going to be rationing food in the coming uh, years? And could there be something done that would curtail that even at the quote-unquote federal level, which we wish we didn't have to go to? But Thomas Massey's got something to say about it. We'll talk about it with Liz Reitzig tomorrow as well. Uh, so uh, anyway, it was great to have uh, Dr. Jack on. And for the first time, Brad Miller. And first hour, of course, with Jonathan Emord. Really good show. I, I know we got a question of the day coming up, but super D, dude, that ipac-edu.org uh, yep. is going to do tremendous things. Already is. And for those it's very cool. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's unlike anything that I've seen uh, offered by anybody else. Mm-hmm. on that level i mean it's uh find that somewhere else i, I double dog dare you uh you <laughs> yes. know it's just it's it's pretty cool when you look at it and you see what's available there and like i said the price too you know yeah. i mean compared Very to affordable to you know going into a formal institution of of mm-hmm. learning higher indoctrination i call yes. it yes yeah yeah so really cool, really cool All right. to be working up, with them upcoming on Upcoming events, I'm going to do the question of the day and then any other Q- QOTDs that come through the chat room if you're live with us. I don't know what's going on in Rumble, Super Don. You can take a look at that as well. Uh, we have uh, this coming Labor Day weekend, 2nd through the 6th. Uh, it's happening in Glendale, Los Angeles area, California. And it's the Cancer Control Society's 48th Annual Cancer Convention. We had uh, Frank Cousineau on yesterday, along with Bobri and others. There's, it's going to be an amazing uh, series of, of lectures, presentations, a lot of booths with products and services you want to engage in. As I said, I'm planning to have both silver and copper. We'll be pouring free shots all weekend. Not administering shots, pouring free shots. You understand? That means you can drink, and you don't have to be 18 to drink. It's non-alcoholic for those. If you didn't know, just didn't know. <laughs> so we got that coming up, and uh, I think we're going to have, I'm pretty sure we're going to have on tap, if the hotel allows us, if you will, cardio miracle too. And who knows, maybe we'll have some hydrogen water as well, but uh, it's going to be great. We'll have a, a whole lot of fun uh, this, that coming weekend. Then we got the Biomed Expo. It's September 14th through 17th, a couple of weeks later. It's not that far after, actually. Uh, Alexis Park All Suite Resort, Las Vegas, Nevada. Very inexpensive to stay in Las Vegas. This hotel uh, is also very inexpensive, all suites. And uh, it's going to be a great, great uh, series of, of lectures, presentations. I'll be moderating uh, some panels. I'll be there with uh, live broadcasting and interviewing folks. And um, just it's going to be amazing. And for those of you into UFOs, you don't have to partake. But I think there's a concurrent UFO type convention. And those some people are interested in. It. You know, you keep talking about this UFO thing. I yeah. think you're, you're going to be obligated at this point. Yeah. I mean, is it like somewhere close by? No, I think it's 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 in the in same, the same building. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So you are required. I am. I am mandating. What? What? Uh, on the Robert Scott Bell show. Yeah. That you need to go stop by the UFO thing and check it out and take some pictures or something so we okay. can see what's going on. 
I don't mind. I, I don't mind. Okay. I'm not afraid of it. So we'll have fun with that. So that too. Right. That's just a little bonus if you're interested. If not, you don't have to. But I just throw it out there as a little bonus. And you know what could be normal, more normal than Las Vegas and UFOs anyway. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, then we go to Houston. Uh, it's 29th and 30th of September. Uh, this is going to be the 10th anniversary celebration of Healing Strong, healingstrong.org slash conference. I'm going to be doing a breakout workshop. Uh, there's also, oh, speaking of the next thing, the big event in Pittsburgh, professional training event, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, Jamie Dorley's birthday, double nickels today, I believe it is. Happy birthday, Jamie Dorley. And he's got a very special offer for those of you that love and appreciate what they're doing at Nutritional Frontiers, a bunch of bundle ideas that are discounted, I think, 15% that you can take an additional 15% off with the RSB15 code. There you go, Thyro Complete, Sleep Time Mag Complete. Uh, they got Super Shake Peanut Butter along with Proline Greens Chocolate, Super Creatine and Power Fuel. Uh, let's see, Frontier Men's Complete and Omega uh, 3D, Live Complete and Proline Greens, Apple Cinnamon. And that Live Complete is great for the liver. And, of course, the Proline Greens is, is part of the essentials that uh, Dr. Judy Mikovits talks about as well, along with Cardio Miracle. So take advantage of uh, the birthday specials. And happy birthday, Jamie Dorley. I'm going to be sending you some uh, apricots as well, some freeze-dried apricots. Then we have the 8th Annual Your Health Freedom Gala and Symposium, the 6th and 7th of October. That will be held in uh, Salt Lake in Utah County Valleys. Uh, outside of Salt Lake City, basically, Dr. Pierre Corey, Dr. Merrill Nass, Dr. Jancy Chun, Lindsay, and others, uh, as well as uh, I'll be there. Jared St. Clair and I will be presenting. And uh, congratulations to Jared St. Clair. He took his uh, now fiance, going to be wife, on a trip to Switzerland and proposed, I think, in front of the Matterhorn or something, or some. It was amazing. Uh, what a, what a, I mean, beautiful, beautiful thing. So we'll get, uh, We'll get Jared on the show as well. Trinity Health Freedom Expo, the granddaddy of them all, I call it. HealthFreedomExpo.com, TrinityHealthFreedomExpo.com, or October 14th and 15th, right before that, Trinity Live for all the Trinity graduate students and other students. If you're a student of IPAC, you can enjoy this too. Uh, the Trinity Live event will take place the uh, 12th and 13th, and there's a, a bundle deal. In fact, the uh, deals expire. The big deals expire today. Uh, lots of discounts, including lectures on demand and a number of the courses are discounted. So please go to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com and trinityschool.org to learn about the deals available to you. Take advantage of them. There it is, the back-to-school specials we were talking about. And uh, reach out. To, you can get 5% savings on CNHP, CHHP, and, and great deals. So this doesn't happen, but I maybe once a year, maybe twice, once, but take advantage of it. Is there a phone number I can give out, Super Don, a toll-free number? There it is, 888-658-3976. Call 888-658-3976 to get that discount before it expires. And that is, what, uh, the 25th? And that is tomorrow. So you still have a little extra time, but don't dilly-dally. Get on it. Uh, then after that, we've got the uh, Heal Your Family Naturally event. Doctors Terry and Stu Warren putting that on. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. keynoting. Kevin Zorbo scheduled. Judy Mikovich, uh, John Witcher. Dr. Jack Wolfson, Dr. James Thorpe, Kimberly Overton, Dr. Richard Urso, Shannon Croner, uh, the author of that children's book on, uh, you know, I'm not vaccinated, I'm okay, or something like that. I forget the name of it. It's awesome, too. And then we've got events that'll be popping up. In fact, I've got to do some recordings on some promotions of some events. I just got invited to one in uh, just outside of Portland on the other side of the Columbia River. I forget the name of the city there, but uh, I, I'll be, uh, looks like I'll be heading there uh, sort of the end of October. So it's going to get busier. And then there's another event in Dallas. I may be able to attend in November on economic 
freedom and economic healing, working on that too. So keep checking back and sign up for the newsletter at robertscottbell.com. It's free and uh, you'll be plugged in and you can follow us on um, social media. There's a lot of stuff happening. Hopefully we don't get banned, but uh, however you, <laughs> however you absorb that information. Just don't say that word. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Exactly. Um, Got to say yeah. that, you know, we started off the week with you posing the question to me yes. about the lockdowns and the mandates stuff like that. And it seems like everybody we've had on the show all week, everybody's yes. all saying the same thing, yeah. <laughs> including Jonathan Nemoard this morning or yeah. today in the first hour. Yeah, they so, are intending we'll to do it, Super D. The question is, will it succeed? And I pray and hope not. But again, it's not up to me individually, but it's up to me individually. And it's up to you individually. Well, you know, yeah. and it's 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 a th- you know, every day I, I go through the news. I see what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. And so ever since, you know, they declared COVID over, mm-hmm. they still, I mean, there's const, there's this constant stream of stories that I see about these different variants and these different strains and the da-da-da-da, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, I think it was yesterday, I I saw them talking about this new one. And apparently this one here, now this one, they're like, well, we should, maybe we should be concerned about this because uh, apparently it doesn't matter whether you've been vaccinated or if you've had an infection before. Yeah. Uh, this, this one's super sneaky mm-hmm. and clever. And yeah. uh, this one might be the one that's going to get you. Mm-hmm. So, same, old, same old, isn't it? That's not, not anything new as far as their uh, promotion and propaganda campaign, is it? Yeah. Is it largely is the same fear-mongering, or is there something different And then you've it? got this thing that you were talking about, where they're, you know, it's like, here's $1.4 billion to create new COVID-19 tools. Yeah. What the heck does that mean, COVID-19 tools? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, do, do we need more tools for COVID-19? I don't understand what that even means. But when you compare enough. that, now, yeah. now here's the thing. When you mm-hmm. compare that, to what what you were talking about earlier when Biden was just like, you know, I'm going to we're going to spend 24 million dollars on the cancer moonshot and I, mm. we were talking about this before the show. And it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, the cancer moonshot, you think that would be like I mean, if you think about a moonshot, I mean, what are they comparing that to? They're comparing that to JFK and and landing on the moon, whether you believe it or not, just in theory, right? Mm-hmm. you know, we're going to land on the moon. I mean, that's a big deal. You're going to put everything you can into that to make sure that that is successful, that you have everything, all the resources you need, stuff like that. Uh, $24 million. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. No. Why Why are we spending $1.4 billion on new COVID-19 tools and $24 million on the cancer moonshot, which was the thing that Obama tapped Biden for in, what, what was it, 2000, whenever it was that Obama did the State of the right. Union address? Yeah, State of the Union told, yeah, Biden's going to lead up. His son, Bo, who died of, of, cancer. Uh, of cancer and mm-hmm. stuff and like that. Now, I, I looked it up because you asked me uh, mm-hmm. earlier today, yeah. how much have they spent on the cancer moonshot? Well, according to this here, this is from cancer.gov, so you figure this is going to be their numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, since 2021, $1.8 billion. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now you've got uh, Biden comes yeah. along and says, here, here's 24 million. 
What does that sound like to you? It's weird that it doesn't sound like That's like, like a, a drop lot, in the bucket, right? Yeah. So what's the point of even doing that? Yeah, and again, keep- when you juxtapose that to $1.4 billion for COVID-19 tools, are we expecting something coming up here very soon? Mm-hmm. You know, so now I'm starting to go, man, yeah. shut up, stop it. You know, right. I was the one that was sitting here saying you aren't going to, I don't know. There's a lot of, of uh, little little coincidental indicators there that if you add them all up, it kind of looks like maybe they might, but I still stand by my opinion. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine how they're going to succeed unless this Canadian, now like everything from Canada is supposed to be nice, right? Right, right. They're so nice and friendly and, and you know, hospitable and stuff like that. Are you yeah. telling me that the super killer mega deadly COVID is going to come from Canada? Mm. I don't know. That, that- you know, this is where we are. And, and the question is, are there still that many sheeple in America that will fall for it? You know, despite your what you say, which has legitimacy too, that no, they're not going to fall for it. And I said, I'm concerned that they might. Uh, but, but understand, I'm not saying nobody's going to fall for it. Of right. course, some people are going to fall for it. Those are the people that are still wearing masks. Yeah. Okay. You know, they so never why stopped. why do we need a mask mandate for them? They're still wearing masks. So All of the Biden people. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course, because, you know, they're going to go with the guy. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we got at least half of the country right now Mm -hmm. that I think would be like, screw you. Yeah. So. I got to imagine it it won't succeed. But then again, what else do they have in their back pocket that will bring some people back over to the masking side? I, I, I. well, what could they possibly have? I mean, I mean whatever. You, you brought it up, so let's let's We've go with it. We talked about the climate change was, I think, the, the long Yeah, play. I know, but you know what? Here, I, The reason why I don't think that would work mm-hmm. is because I believe that the same half of the, of the country mm-hmm. that's like, I'm not wearing a mask, probably, for the most part, ideologically, yeah. uh, would not fall for the climate change thing either. Yeah. So I don't see that as being strong enough. No, not unless they get... Central bank digital currency, which is an offshoot of the digital IDs, which I bring yeah, up. Yeah, but we're talking about something happening in the next month or two. Yeah, no, I, I don't think they can Im- implement it that quickly. But again, desperate, nefarious people do desperate things. And what could it be? Are they above doing horrible things? No, they're not. That's clear. So if y'all have some other ideas, please share them with us. And we'll continue on uh, trying to share some good news, too, in the midst of all of this. Because it's causing a lot of people to wake up. And that was the the good side of COVID, even though we lost a lot of friends and people, uh, more people than ever are aware of things that they were never aware of, never wanted to be perhaps aware of. Now they are. Uh, should we do the question of the day? And, and yeah, unless there's something other question coming to rumble or something I don't know about. No, nope, we're good. So question of the day from Yolanda. Actually, it's two questions. Okay. Hi, Robert and Super Don. Two questions. How do I get rid of my husband's toe fungus? Just get rid of your husband. Yeah, it's gone. No, that's horrible. That's just no? so, that's not what she's asking. I don't no. think that's the okay. right answer. All right. Uh, now, for many years, people have been utilizing the bioactive silver hydrosol topically, soaking the toe in that, and or using the topical silver gel with great success. Now, there are varying uh, degrees of success in terms of uh, speed of recovery, and some saw it in a matter of a couple of weeks and some a couple of months and some got nothing, right? So I recognize there are unique circumstances in all of these things. Others have used essential oils, the classic Melaleuca tea tree oil. Some works 
beautifully and others, it's not working. Now, part of the strategy, of course, is cutting back the nail to expose the nail bed as much as possible. Sometimes you might have to go to someone that can do that, which is beyond your capacity or willingness if it's gross or painful. That sounds pleasant. Right. Uh, But, you know, making it easier to access. Now, some have used, we've talked about uh, DMSO as a solvent, a sulfur-based solvent. Now, remember, when you use it with things, it'll bring everything in with it. So some have used DMSO actually on the nail bed. But if you use it with the bioactive form of silver, it's going to neutralize much of the silver because silver and sulfur will bind right away. And now you don't have the bioactive form that would kill fungal species. Copper now is another one that is a very potent antifungal and antiparasitic. So utilizing the the sovereign copper locally is not a bad uh, consideration as well. And I've argued as well that there may be gut interactivity with anything that's manifesting in a fungal species way externally, that you look at the gut health, yeast overgrowth, and other things. So consider the silver aloe gut recovery protocol. And Superdon is helping me to expand on that um, chapter of Unlock the Power to Heal to make an ebook out of it that's more comprehensive because there's a lot of years since I wrote that uh, to add to that. And so... Uh, there'll be more information there from an internal perspective. But the topical uses there, another thing that can be utilized is ozone. Ozone. Uh, some people have infused ozone into topical gels. And I, I want to bring one to your attention soon. I'm trying to reach out to the, ma- the manufacturer of it because uh, I've had some interesting uh, uh, stories that are coming out of utilizing it. And I think even Judy Mikovits has seen some good stuff with that as well. Uh, so, pause on that because I just want to talk to that person first before I bring it out. Uh, But there's some other options if the things I've mentioned so far don't work. But again, give it time. And remember, you can't eat the garbage standard American diet if your husband is doing that. Uh, That's another aspect of, uh, you know, contributing to the growth of fungal growth, which is a breakdown of uh, the integrity of, of the tissue and the health of the metabolism of every living cell that you have an overgrowth like that. Uh, let's see what else is, is there a part two to this? There is my son-in-law has had pain in his muscles for quite some time. He's gone to a neuromuscular doctor for MRI and x-rays. And they said he has fluid in his muscles and they prescribed, uh, prescribed B12 supplements. Now the doctor wants to do another MRI on his brain to rule out MS. Mm. Stiff person syndrome and muscular degeneration and along a list of other things. What do you recommend? Okay, Yolanda. That's a All lot. Right. So it's the same. The, both of this is happening. Oh, this is her son-in-law. Okay, one is her husband. One's her son-in-law. So I imagine a younger younger guy. Um, I, I always have to look at, first and foremost, the heavy metal burden, particularly mercury, because that is, it plays out with things like fibromyalgia or uh, aberrant neurological uh, inflammation and, de- and degeneration or degradation. Uh, often plays, uh, you know, a role with mercury, residual mercury. Now, if your son-in-law has had the traditional, what we call now the American uh, CDC uh, standard uh, shot schedule and got most of them or all of them, that's a high likelihood of a, of a mercury or heavy metal burden. Of course, we look at any other neurological interplay in terms of organophosphate pesticides, uh, even the glyphosates, all of these things can degenerate neural integrity. I've utilized silver because of my discovery, say my discovery of the book, Robert Becker's book, uh, The Body Electric, that he found that silver was a regenerative agent as a metal, not a degenerative one. And I've talked many times over the years about MS recoveries that I would put uh, people on uh, high higher doses of silica, right? The Alta Silica, three tablets, 
four times a day to load the silica back in very rapidly. Yes, the B complexes, the various B vitamins are important as well. Uh, also, selenium for protecting the brain and nervous system. And um, we've talked about, of course, cellular metabolism as, a, as, a, as a, you know, how's energy produced or where do you get energy from? Some of it is uh, the glucose in the body and the use of sugar. And that requires the chromium. So we can't overlook that in terms of the health of the brain nervous system as well or every cell. Uh, but the silver is really interesting because if there is, let's say, an opportunistic issue, sometimes they'll blame it on uh, infections, um, biofilms, different things. It could be bacterial, some will say viral, some will say fungal or a combination of those things. Silver plays a huge role. But now we have access, once again, as I mentioned, the copper uh, to another aspect of brain and neurological function and firing as well. Uh, that copper plays a huge role for help. It's not a dangerous heavy metal in reality. Now, in the rare circumstance where someone has a, a, a problem metabolizing copper, like Wilson's disease, I think the safest form of copper would be the bioactive copper hydrosol because you can get a safe quantity of microgram, microgram dosages to not overwhelm the system, you know, that would burden it in terms of excretion, as well as homeopathic forms of copper, uh, which include particularly cupra metallicum, uh, which can play a role here as well. But we've talked for uh, years, I have talked for years about neurological issues uh, pr proactively using cannabidiol, cannabinoids, right, for the help of, of uh, brain and nervous system function, along with saturated fats and essential fats from obviously clean sources that our, our fat cells need critically, uh, those essential fats and even saturated fats for their integrity. And a lot of times people are on a low-fat diet and uh, they have a lot of neurological issues. Uh, muscle pain, of course, we come back to the magnesium issue. I've got to uh, assume here, not a good assumption, but make sure that that's the case with your son-in-law, Yolanda, that he hasn't gotten any of the mRNA injections because the, the damage to the, you know, the circulatory system, the brain, nervous system, et cetera. And that brings me back to the cardio miracle and nitric oxide, uh, more adequate blood flow the movement of fluids to and from the muscles, if they're being retained in there, there may be lymphatic flow uh, blockages and or circulatory blo flow blockages. And that would mean nitric oxide is needed. Sustain that. And that food that we take, I take every day and Superdon does too, and I hope you do, is the cardio miracle. And that can also reduce some of these issues and including the pain, I believe, uh, by helping the body's uh, optimal cellular me me metabolic functions. But again, heavy metals, that means support liver detox, whether you do it from the uh, the colloidal zeolites that we have access to at robertscottbell.com or other botanicals like selenium. And there are many other ways to bind and, and remove heavy metals, but assess that because that's usually the first place to look or rule out. And then you can go to the next level and let me know. All right, Yolanda, that was a, a good question of the day, a, a, a double, a daily dose of double question of the day. How about that? And hopefully that's helpful. Any other questions coming through the chat rooms? Uh, I got nothing on Rumble. Cetra Spotlight uh, enjoyed mm -hmm. having Brad on. Apparently, yeah, Cetra Brad Spotlight is uh, is familiar with Brad Miller. Mm -hmm. And let's see. It's Very hot good. where Lori is. Yeah. Heat index is over 100. Leslie is driving to Springfield with a few kiddos. Safe journey. We've done that trip a couple of times now. Yeah. Um, it looks like now one of the cool things about Restream. 
mm-hmm. is that if somebody happens to show up that also has a Restream account, they, they will uh, share their channels. Oh, really? And so it would appear that uh, we still are connected with uh, a bunch of channels that uh, Jack uh, Weiler uh, mm. shared with us. So hello, there's one message here from someone that is uh, watching. Hello from Wisconsin. Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Tracy. Thanks for doing that. Appreciate right. that. You, you're more than welcome to do it. The more, the merrier, we say. And, and mm. once again, if you want to participate with our Zoom AMA, because we can hear from you and see, not really see you with these, these chat messages, but it's fun on Zoom that we do. Once a month, our Ask Me Anythings. And that's happening noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, the 26th, this, 20, this Saturday. Uh, and it's uh, usually a couple hours, but it's yep. loaded with fun, frivolity, yep. And, yes, challenging questions that the community helps one another with. It's not just me answering questions now. We have a whole community of people that are really skilled. And, in fact, oftentimes we'll help one another out. I've just been blown away by the kindness and love coming from everybody in that in that group. Uh, to, you know, when someone's in need, you should see what happens. It's amazing. And we have fun trivia contests to give away uh, some some freebies from our sponsors. And and that's all. You know, usually you end up, a lot of people end up with more than they donate to us. And I'm happy that we can do that. So thank you for considering that. And we'll hope to see you on Saturday, too. <laughs> hmm. I was just seeing a comment from Stephen. He LOL'd with a quick glance. He misread the comment above as bonus roundup nerd. <laughs> I said <laughs> bonus roundup next, not nerd. Uh, Although, you know, I can be nerdy. I admit it. Did you see that California a high school? I think it's dumping the name Concord High School is dumping the Minutemen as her. Oh yeah, mascot. I was. I, I wanted to. I wanted to get uh, uh, Jonathan riled up with that one because you know yeah. he would have the Minutemen, right? Was it because it's a? Is it a gender issue? It's not the Minute People. Well, let's see. I need. Or is it the tool that, that the Minutemen is carrying? It's California. It's probably the tool he's carrying and his gender. I'm guessing. This would be a school in, as you said, Concord High. Mm-hmm. Concord High. Is that in Con? Uh, that's Lexington Concord. Okay. So they're named. You know, they they adopted. Uh, um, I guess a mascot like Lexington and Concord. Uh, Concord High is the Minutemen, right? Yep. So apparently, a student committee expressed concerns over the Minutemen's mascot's firearm, and wanted a more gender inclusive mascot. So what have they the become? The Minute Man is carrying a gun. Yeah. That I, I don't feel safe. Everybody run. The Minute Man's carrying safe. a gun. How about, uh, did they change their name to the um, Concord Hermaphrodites? Would that be okay? Or what have they decided to go with? Hermaphrodites. I haven't, I haven't heard that term in a while. Yeah, I'm just thinking that That's gender, like the forgotten group. That's like they, they, they need don't to talk add about the, them. Right. The H to the LGBTQH now. Right. But, um, um, so what have they changed their name to? I don't I don't think they say in here. I think maybe they're they're like considered they, there was a four to one vote by the Mount Diablo Unified School District. Mm-hmm. Uh decided that the Minutemen should be dropped in favor of Bears. Oh, they did. So Bear. they're gonna go from the Minutemen to the Bears. Bears. Cause you know. <laughs> Screw the Minutemen. You know, the thing is, it, it's when I think of history when I was taught as a kid, mm-hmm. the Minutemen, for me, stood out as being like the really cool characters. Yeah. 
in history, right? Because what I mean, what were the Minutemen? From what I recall, uh, they were just ordinary folk, right? That that had a gun. Because back then, having a gun was a thing. Everybody had a gun. It was just you know, if you right. didn't have a gun, and somebody would probably ask you, "How come you don't have a gun?" Here, have one of mine, <laughs> right? Uh, and so you know, when the Revolutionary War was was uh, beginning and happening. Uh, the the Minutemen were responsible for turning the tide in a lot of these battles because the British, uh, for some strange reason, I'm not sure why, you know, no no offense. Actually, UK Health Radio isn't hearing this, so it's okay. Okay. Uh, I, I know there's there's reasonable, intelligent, educated explanations for this, but coming from a dude perspective... How how dumb was it for them to be marching in lines together, you know, with with decorum and 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 you know respect and honor and you know which which are all good things standing you know, on face value. But when you're at war, hmm. you know, usually when you go to war, you go to war to win, <laughs> you know. And so they thought the great idea was let's all stand out and, and make giant targets of ourselves as we march together in unison and choreographed. And, you know, and instead you had these Minutemen that were just like, okay, well, here they come. And they're hiding behind trees and under rocks and on top of buildings and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, the, 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 the tactic there was, was a good one. So I always thought that the Minutemen were the cool ones in, in the Revolutionary War because they were just, you know, they, they didn't follow any rules. They were there to beat the enemy, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it really kind of rubs me in the wrong way that here you've got Minutemen. Minutemen were not encouraging people to take guns and shoot up schools. That's not why they were carrying the gun. No. And that, that, that's not the symbolism of, of the Minuteman, right? Right. It's, it's an important part of our history. The reason why these numbnuts can sit around and need safe spaces and play with puppies and get offended by stupid stuff is because the Minutemen put themselves out there on the line and made this a country where people have freedom to be stupid, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, you know? Yeah. All right. It's so, like the Minutemen made it possible for these yahoos in California exactly. to go woke. Um you know, when we talk about uh, gender issues, you know, uh, pronouns, right? One of the arguments, of course, is like, you've got it so good that you're really concerned about pronouns and offended, being offended if you don't, you know, like if you're hungry or if stuff really happens where we talk about total breakdown, supply chain stuff, you're not going to give a flip about what people consider you as a pronoun. You know, people, when you're looking at survivability issues, you go to other cultures and they're like, what the hell are you guys arguing yeah. about? Oh, I know. The stupidest stuff. I know. Man. They're laughing yeah. at us. Yeah, they have to be. They have to yeah. just be laughing at us. You know, the other thing I'm thinking about here is, is one of their complaints was the Minuteman wasn't gender inclusive. Yeah. Just How's a, a bear? How's a bear gender inclusive? Right? Are all bears male bears? Is it? Well, hi, maybe it's a gay bear. Are there transgender is, bears? Is it a deer <laughs> identifying as a bear? Well, what about when the, right? you know you spay or neuter a cat? Does the female cat become a male cat and vice versa? I, I you know what? Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know, yeah. but 
All right, men I are now do, bears. I got to do a couple of promo recordings for some upcoming events, Super D. I don't know if you have to run out or not, but I'm going to take a break and come back and do, I, I guess I can press play or record or something, and, and I can let you know what to do or send it or whatever when it's done. Okay. I don't know if you're around, but just heads up. I got to do a little bit more. I am kind of round I, yeah. as I've gotten older and, and it's sort of happened. Yeah. Come with me to the kickboxing gym. <laughs> All right. Enough. Enough already. You All right, up. guys. So we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we are going to be having Tor McPartland mm-hmm. uh, from Orange Guard. We'll be yep. on to talk about uh, what, what the latest is with Orange Guard and for those of you that are new to the show, uh, we have, we actually haven't talked about Orange Guard in detail uh, since a while, spring yeah. of last or no fall of last year, mm-hmm. um, and so we'll talk about that. And then uh, we, who who else do we have on tomorrow? Liz Reitzig. Liz Reitzig. Mm-hmm. That's right. What what is Liz talking about? Uh, well, the Prime Act that uh, Thomas Massey, Congressman Massey, is putting forward within I think a farm bill or something associated with food freedom. And it's a, it's a big deal because he's getting a lot of opposition from those that should be supporting the folks that need to have access to food. And, uh, you know, that means, oops, Democrats, but there might be some Republicans as well. So we want to talk about where that is and how you could support whatever we're going to learn about this Prime Act is. And that's tomorrow uh, with Liz Reitzig. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. And until then, have yourself a wonderful day.